Hey folks, it's Tomo, Sean, and Andrew from What's Going On Here. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, after a long, long hiatus, we are back. My name is Tomo Loverick. Welcome to What's Going On Here, the podcast where we analyze uh, pop culture zeitgeist or little-known TV shows and movies that we watch the middle 20 minutes of, which occasionally we come back to. And a lot of stuff, what we do is movie countdowns, uh, particular genres, and today is a much delayed movie countdown. It's basically our brackets that was supposed to happen back in March. They're happening now in July, almost August. And we're pick- counting down 10 of the best, not 10, sorry, 16 of the best Nick Cage movies. And we basically use the Rotten Tomatoes list to find the movies. And we picked movies from spanning his career from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and then the 2010s with the 20s because there's two years here so that's what we're doing today very exciting and with me as always <clears throat> i have the one the only the um spectacular lord marshall the magnificent uh yet mild-mannered clark kent in the office and at the same time the infamous to some people but heroic union representative Mr. Sean Quigley, a.k.a. The Quig, as he is known in corporate union-busting circles. Uh, Sean, how are you, sir? I am good. And uh, you've no idea how good it feels to bust in a circle of union (laughs) members. (laughs) But it feels good. We haven't even had anything to drink yet. Uh, This is going to be a fun Fun episode. Okay. And as always, <laughs> the third of our musketeers, if you will, the uh, the uh, handsome, the slick, the um, uh, youthful, invigorating, uh, 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 state trotting, if that's a thing, as opposed to globe trotting, right? Because you, you just recently came back from Hawaii. The right. ever popular and in some circles, the most popular member of the What's Going On Here crew, young Mr. Andrew Albagies. Or AA, as he is known in dolphin training circles. Andrew, how are you, sir? Good. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, yeah, dolphin training circles. That's a good one. I did see some. No, did I see dolphins? Yeah, saw some dolphins when I was in Hawaii. Okay. Um, they were trained by someone else, not by me. Um, ah, okay. So there's was still pretty so, cool. so there's a subpar train. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, most popular member of the crew, huh? Amongst some listeners. Probably yeah. my fiance, and that's about it. But right. shout out, shout out to Gabs. You can shout out to from, Gabs. Yeah, you can probably hear show. me from the other room. Yes, shout out to Gabs, friend of the show. Absolutely, she was a wonderful <laughs> episode one hundred. A lot, I got a lot of positive feedback about Gabs for episode one hundred. So 
Tell her she's very popular. In, in I will let her know. And will be like, a girl, a girl, <laughs> oh. <like> a girl. <laughs> Me like girl. Me like girls. She sounds pretty. She sounds pretty. <laughs> <laughs> nice, 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 nice. So, folks, this is the uh, what's going on here? Best tournament 2022. And for those of you that have followed the show, we have done the best superhero movies of all time. We have done the best Bond movies. We have done the best Spielberg movies. What else have we done? Highest grossing movies. We did highest grossing movies. Uh, highest grossest, grossing movies of all time. Correct. This year we decided to pick an icon because when we were planning it, all the news was a buzz with his latest movie, Mr. Nicholas Cage of uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Ironically, I haven't seen it. Did you guys see it? No. no. I was too busy trying to watch all of these movies. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, nice try. Anyway, so uh, like I said, we picked the uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, picks, and I will list the uh, movies that we have. We broke it down by brackets. We have the 80s brackets, the 2000 brackets, the 1990s brackets, and the 2010s, 20s brackets so starting in the upper left corner of our brackets it's very much like um you know what wait wait wait. sean just reminded me i'm out of practice here the most important thing we do on this show is we sample adult beverages and we give you good grades of them and beers wines liquors mixed drinks all sorts of stuff predominantly beers but because this is Nicolas Cage and he's had such an eclectic career and has had so many just, just crazy choices, this is basically pick your own beer. So we're all bringing our own beer to this tournament. And to kick off the tournament properly, being that it's Nicolas Cage and he's a fabulous actor and sometimes acts really crazy, we decided to, for our first beer that we're going to have or drink or whatever the guys, I don't know what the guys are having. We're going to find out in a minute. We are going to make the drink disappear in less than 60 seconds as an homage to a movie that didn't make the list, God in 60 seconds. So, gentlemen, what drink do you have to bring forth? Sean? I have the Space Comet Citra. Uh, a very cool little thing with comets and a little uh, Indian guy and some stuff. And hops and things is an IPA, a New England style IPA from the Karmic Dairu Company, D A A R U. It is actually, a, I guess, an Indian um, run brewery. It says we put the Indian in pale ale. Support local, drink fresh. Okay. What's our um, ABV? It is 7%. Okay. Brewed and canned in Branford, Connecticut by Thimble Island Brewing Company for Karmic Daru Company. Okay. And uh, does it have a, 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 a IBU by any chance? It does not, no. Okay, all right. All right, so we'll do that. I'll look that up just- It's got lots of bits in it, which is, I don't know if you can see the bits. I poured it into a glass yes. and the glass is full of bits. Wow, yes, it circling is. Well, that's, around. That's so. karma coming back to get you for being like a union guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, what do you have? I have Big Wave Golden Ale by Kana Brewing Co. 
sticking okay. with the Hawaii theme. It is uh, liquid aloha, it says. Okay. What are we looking at uh, ABV wise? 4.4%. Okay. Any IBUs? Aloha. Sorry, is aloha goodbye and hello? Yeah. So it, I would say a liquid aloha could also be diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> so just putting it out there. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> I'm not the one drinking a milk stout. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, uh, you said, I'm sorry, what did you say? 4%? 4.4. 4. Yep. 4. And no, no IBUs. Percent no IBUs. Okay, and I have, and I mentioned this to 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 the guys beforehand. Stella Artois made this solstice lager. I have here that I'm going to pour into my glass, which is weird. It's it's a pale lager, four point five percent ABV, zero IBUs. So we are like batting zero for the IBUs on our first beers, and it's a bizarre. It's like, why would Stella need to make a different lager? Aren't they already a lager? Why this? So I figured, what the hey? It's Nicolas Cage. It's crazy. Let's go crazy, gents. Let's start with our little sound for the audience. Oh, and I spilled some. How did I manage that? We setting a timer? Yes, we're going to set a timer. Uh, Sean has already poured. Excellent. I'm just going, I'm just going bottle. Should I pour? Oh, Is that oh. an amateur mistake? Um, it's not. A, well, it's either an amateur mistake or you're showing your like chops at like. Oof! Let me grab a glass. Nah, no chops. <laughs> <laughs> Entertain the audience for for a few seconds. Okay, we'll do that. We'll do that. Yeah. So, like I said, my buddy like brought this to a party, and I was just like, "Well, that's weird. Why does Stella need to make a different lager?" Now I'll say this, the color is just like, this is gorgeous. Look at this. It's like a big glass of fizzy urine. <laughs> it is. Isn't it? Look yeah, at that. It's, an, it's, it's really it's golden. It's perfectly wonderfully flat. Perfectly <laughs> flat. Yeah, there, there was no <laughs> head to it. So I don't know. Maybe it'll be a good beer. We'll find out in a minute. All right. Okay. Let me see. I'm going to get the timer ready for us. All this like pausing stuff is, by the way, just gold for podcasts, especially mm -hmm. since we haven't been <laughs> making a podcast in a while. Anyway. Uh, okay. So I got the timer here. I'm going to hit start. Tribute to Nick Cage and gone 60 seconds. Ready? And here we go. Oh. oh, holy crap. Oh, it's been a while. I literally haven't done that in almost 30 years. Oh, excellent. Like it's gone in 60 seconds. It's done. Oh, Woo. you know, <laughs> come on. 
Sean is going full Steve Austin on us here. You know, on paper, this is a great idea. And like halfway through that, and I was kind of, I was the first one done. Last one to start, first one done. And about three quarters of the way through, I was just like, oh, I hope I don't just spurt all over the screen now because that's just going to be terrible. Ah, so you know what? Let's give the people the results right away before we dive into everything. About the let, let's give them what do we think about that beer? 60 second beer. I'll go. Right. Yeah, if go you ahead. got a if you got a chug of beer in 60 seconds or 30, because we all were done and I was just the last one and it was they still had 30 seconds left, I think. Yep. Big wave golden nail is not too bad. Okay. Goes down relatively smooth. It's okay. actually for a lighter beer, 4.4%. It's got a nice flavor to it, at least from what I what I gathered in that quick 30 seconds. Um, it's like a nice, just, you know, regular light ale, but with good, good flavor to it. Okay. It went down all right. So I give it a, I'm going to say three and a half. Okay. That's good. This is a quick top of the head, top off, uh, off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me quick too, I guess. A little bit of sloppy for Andrew there. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. I'm still flustered from that comment Sean made earlier. Yes, I, I bet. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Uh Sean, what do you what do you give uh what do you give space etc.? I was surprised. I thought, you know, big old pine can, seven percent IPA. I was getting myself into something, but actually fine. It was yeah. all right. It was um I went down pretty easy. Yeah. Um I think maybe all the bits helped helped it come down like okay yeah yeah, yeah. i kind of like was, a little bit added a little gravity to it yeah a little gravity added to it i think um it it was surprisingly yeah it went down surprisingly easy um i can't i i feel like the last time i ever chugged anything beer wise yeah was guinness i used to just drink guinness when i lived in england right and I was often chugging Guinness, usually because I just bought a pint of Guinness and we were leaving the pub to go to another pub. And right. I'd be like, Whoa. And yeah, anyone who's yeah, yeah. tried to chug, chug a Guinness knows that it's not, a, it's not the easiest thing. So this was quite a welcome to <coughs> Okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, Stella Artois. I'd, like I said, I picked it because it was odd. I had it when my buddy brought it to the party and I was kind of like, well, this is weird. Why would they make this? They basically made a Corona light. That being said, they talk about the citrus notes, and I don't remember when I was at the party tasting the citrus notes. It just tasted kind of, I don't know, Budweiser-ish. It just flat and kind of just like, all right, whatever. But chugging that sucker down in 15 seconds, it literally tasted like I had, that there was lemon juice in it. And that was like a surprising note there. And it had a nice amount of carbonation. It went down super easy, you know, summertime. So if I encounter this at a party, I'm going to make a mess of myself because I'm just going to chug it. I'm not going to drink it. I'm just going <laughs> to chug it because it tastes better when you chug it as opposed to when you drink it. So, it's the only way to drink it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, what grade did you give, Sean? What grade did you give your... Uh... Oh, um, I will give it a 3.9. Okay. High marks. The Stella, I'm going to go with the Stella. You know what? The, the way it went down, like, easy. 3.5 also, I think. Like I said, if nice. you 
if I hadn't done this and you asked me what I would, I would have given it a three. Hmm. But somehow the flavors came through fast. Don't know why. You should write to, you should write to Stella and propose that they do a whole marketing campaign around that concept. Be like, this beer is not actually that good, but if you need to chug something, it's actually twice as good. And you yes. get all the citrus notes. Looking for yes. a beer to go down in 60 seconds? Stella, yes. summer solstice. Gone in 60 seconds. Hell, it was gone in 15. <laughs> maybe this is a new fit. Maybe this is a new aspect to our show. It's taken all this time that maybe we need to enter a second list of beers that you chug. <laughs> maybe it's going to open a whole different scoring. That never I'm going to leave that to you guys. I don't know how much my 50-year-old can take this anymore. <laughs> I, don't know that if a Ve- I don't know that a Vespa Martini is going to stand up as high. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. No. Oh, goodness me. Okay. All right. So there we are. Um, start off the show with a bang. Here's our list of movies. I'll read them all first. Um we have, ah, so like I said, we picked the Rotten Tomatoes uh, a grade for quality of movie. And then we also use the money the movie's earned to determine its seed in the tournament, right? So starting from the highest money earner to the lowest, we have National Treasure, Face Off, Leaving Las Vegas, Matchstick Man, Raising Arizona, Adaptation, Valley Girl, Bringing Out the Dead, um, Red Rock West, Oh, sorry, no. Wild at Heart, Bringing Out the Dead, Red Rock West, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Cold, New Orleans, Pig, Vampire's Kiss, Color Out of Space, Joe, and The Trust. And because of the seeds and how that all went, what we have, actually, is... uh, So the 2000s brackets, we have National Treasure going against The Trust, Raising Arizona going against Pig, that's 2004 for National Treasure, 2016 for the Trust, 1987 Raising Arizona, 2021 for Pig. Uh, the 80s brackets has Valley Girl, 1983, going against Red Rock West, 1993, and uh, Leaving Las Vegas, 1995 versus Color Out of Space, 2019. The 90s brackets has Matchstick Men, 2006, going against Vampire's Kiss, 1988. And Wild at Heart, 1990, going against Bringing Out the Dead, 1999. And then the last bracket, the 2010s, 20s, has Adaptation, 2002, going against Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, 2009. And Face Off, 1997, versus Joe from 2013. So, gents, which bracket do we want to start with? Do we want to start on the left-hand side, or, or what are we doing? I just want to add, I think you've got a future being a commentator for esports events. <laughs> I, I can see you being like, and we have uh, Beta Cup 47 going up against Mama's Boy 1994. Yeah, I, I would love to be like the, the guy at the horse races, because like, that's a whole thing in the UK, isn't it? That they try to get like naughty names past the uh, guys that allow them to name the horses. And so they oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a whole thing. The whole thing. Where they tried to be clever and like one of the horses that got through was called Hoof Hearted. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the guy's literally screaming at the microphone, Hoof Hearted, Hoof Hearted going. 
who farted in the league? Oh, I've seen that. I've seen the YouTube of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway. <laughs> All right, so do we want 2000s brackets, 80s brackets, 90s brackets, or 2010-20s brackets? Let's go 2000s. All right, let's start with the biggest money grocer, National Treasure 2004 versus The Trust 2016. So there's not much we need to talk about National Treasure. Half the planet has seen it. The thing made a half a billion dollars. I, I don't think we need to talk about that too much. Great movie, great adventure movie in the vein of, you know, Indiana Jones uh, or The Mummy, but kind of brought into modern day, right? With Sean Bean as the villain and, and yeah. Nicolas Cage as the hero and a supporting cast uh, who was a Very Da Vinci Code-esque. It's like Da Vinci Code for the whole family. Yeah. Right, 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 with, right. right. With, with US history, which was interesting. Yes, yeah, correct, yes. So, and that going, uh, that movie versus The Trust, which is a movie from 2016 with Nicolas Cage and Elijah Wood. And so that was, I guess, one of these like straight to, you know, video on demand movies. And yeah, it was... all of the, there's a bunch of movies here that I thought were bad. And of all of the bad ones, I felt like this one just needed a little bit of tweaking and it actually would have been yes. kind of like a Tarantino-ish movie. Yeah, I thought it wanted to be. There was like early on, I'm trying to remember because I watched it a while ago, but I feel early on there was like some dialogue and stuff that was like a little bit funny. Like just, there was something with Nicolas Cage's character. He like said something repeatedly or he had some little quirk. I forget what it was, but something that was just kind of funny. But then, yes. and I started the movie, it was like, oh, maybe this will be kind of like weird, irreverent. And then <laughs> the movie goes on and it's, gets worse and worse and you see that a lot with nick cage and i think these movies show it and the further along <clears throat> you get i think he must turn up to set some days and just decide that he's going to do something funny and like you can see it play out in the scenes where he's just got like i'm gonna do this it's funny and they're like um he's like no no, no, no trust me i'm just gonna do this and they're like okay there's a few times in movies where i'm like that's it, weird i'm I doing a be, funny thing it might be but i mean and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, like with all the movies, and he's worked with like all of the just like legendary directors, right? Werner Herzog, he's worked with uh, uh, Martin Scorsese, Oliver Stone, all these guys, and yet inexplicably, all the movies are shit. It's like what what's happening? You know, he's worked with everyone once. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> so. I don't necessarily think now what I thought was weird about the trust. And for those people that don't know the trust, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about it. Um, it's Nicholas Cage is like in charge of the forensics division of the uh, Las Vegas police department or not in charge of the whole thing, but he's like a Lieutenant basically in it. And Elijah Wood is a tech that works for him in forensics. And Elijah Wood, it starts off with Elijah Wood smoking. It's like, this is supposed to be like, I don't know, his, when, when was the last Lord of the Rings? In the 2000s? Yeah. Like three or four. Okay. And I don't know if this was supposed to be like him, like, because remember when Daniel Radcliffe like left, Harry Potter was done, and the first thing he did was Equus on stage. Mm -hmm. Like, so people like consider him a serious actor. And I'm wondering if Elijah Wood was just trying to like, Get something great. He's like, oh, he's an adult. He's not just a dwarf with hairy feet. This you know? is quite a long time ago. I, this is the, I, I can understand that, but there's a big gap. It's, yeah, this is pretty recent. Like yes. that was a long time ago. Those movies. Uh, 
That's true. That's true. Nick Elijah Wood just like... needed a quick paycheck, same as Nicholas yeah. Cage, and they both. Well, you know movie. what? I, like I said, when I saw this, when <clears> I saw the overall movie, I could see what attracted him to the script. Now the execution of it all, eh? So basically, Nicholas Cage asks Elijah Wood, who's already like morally is just kind of like, ah, eh, whatever, because the movie starts off with him like banging a hooker and leaving money on her on the counter like get out and he's smoking like a joint and then he goes and you're like oh this guy is a cop he works for the cops what oh you know it's one of those like gritty i i just don't give a fuck kind of cop whatever and nicholas cage seems like a straight-laced guy and he they talk about basically boosting a score like somebody had like they were investigating something and they realized that somebody had just tons of money hidden somewhere and I forget it was like if they were the Russians or whoever it was. So they decide drug to, dealers, drug dealer something, yeah, heroin dealer something. And the, what they decide to do is they know the building where all this like this huge like vault is with stuff. They decide to break into the upstairs apartment, and the only way to get into the thing is through the ceiling. That's the only way to bust in, and that's what the heist is all about. That this movie, and in the end, of course, everything falls apart. <clears throat> Elijah Wood gets, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit of a conscience and doesn't want to hurt like the girl that was in the apartment because he thinks she's like just an innocent victim. And Nicolas Cage is like, what are you doing? And then Elijah Wood basically kills Nicolas Cage and he tries to like take the girl out of town. And the one phone call he gave her to let her boyfriend know that she's okay was basically her calling the bad guys that killed him in the end of the movie. And that's how like kind of the movie ends. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I can see that being like like a very I won't even say heat, but basically one of these movies where you think, oh, they're gonna get away with it, and then in the end everybody dies. It's almost like a little bit like kill Bill, but Uma Thurman's dead at the end. You know, like everybody dies. It, it, it was like it was actually um why can't I think of the name of the stupid movie now? <clears throat> before before he did Pulp Fiction, um, Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, yeah. It's yeah. it was kind of reservoir dogish that way. Like in the end, everybody's just fucked it, because they don't trust each other or whatever. You know, Tim Roth was undercover cops. He killed a passenger, uh, I mean a pedestrian by a mistake, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought it had a lot of potential, but the execution was definitely just poor. Because in the beginning, Nicolas Cage's character was kind of like a straight-laced nerdy guy. And for yeah. some bizarre reason, Jerry Lewis was his dad. And that was kind of like a B story that they set up. And you were just like, is Jerry Lewis going to be the guy that knows this, these people and he's actually in charge of it? Not Jerry Lewis. Ed Asner. No, Jerry Lewis, dude. Like what am I thinking of? Which movie was Ed Asner his dad? <laughs> there was a movie where Ed Asner was... Not in the movies. We watched. Yeah. The fuck was that movie? Ed Asner? This out. Yeah, Ed Asner was randomly <clears throat> in one of these movies as like Nicolas Cage's dad. Yeah, it's like the last movie you ever did or something. Not yeah. in... Keep talking while I look it up. <laughs> okay. But no, in this one, it was Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis was in, in The Trust. It must, it must have been one of his last movies. Yeah, I thought he was dead already. That's why it confused me. I, I, time right. Let's see. We're looking it up. Cast. I, I got it right here. Yeah, it was Jerry Lewis. I would. Jerry Lewis, yeah. Vanessa Campbell... Hmm. Sky Ferreira, a bunch of just like people that you wouldn't know otherwise, but Jerry Lewis was a third big booking. Yeah. 
but I I don't know. I don't remember Ed Asner being in any of them. But anyway, I, yeah, I, I thought I thought I that thought... movie was. I thought the movie had potential. It was just terribly executed, and and I was kind of into the movie, especially the ending. I was like, oh, that's cool, but you know, because like I said, Nicolas Cage's character was kind of dweeby, and then all of a sudden he started going psycho. And and we didn't see like a gradual like yeah he do that like all of a sudden he went from being kind of a, a nerdy science forensic guy to being freaking I don't know Pacino in Scarface and it was just like what that just like it, the character didn't match up. No, I I it, I feel like it set up some interesting things at the beginning part, and you thought it could be an interesting movie, and then once they got to the heist part, it was it went on way too long and it was yeah. basically, I mean, with the exception of the, the girl comes in and they like put her tire up and put her in the bathroom wherever they did. It was right. the two of them like drilling a hole in this ceiling or in the floor for like <laughs> what felt like an hour of the movie Correct. and like nothing happens. They're just trying to like drill this hole and it, it, it just drags and drags and nothing interesting happens. And then once they finally get the hole done drilled and break into the safe, then it kind of just goes completely over the top. And like right. you said, like Nicolas Cage is totally different. I don't know. By that point, right. Right. Just... the only the only like tension builder while they were like drilling this hole was that he kept on trying to kill the girl. Yeah. The wood was basically like, you don't have to kill her. Like that was it. Otherwise, yeah. we're just like eating burgers and donuts. And it was just weird. And like I said, it was just like the story like had so much potential and it was just terribly executed. I thought It would have been such a different movie if it wasn't. I felt that Elijah Wood was the thing that was off. I, 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 Nick Cage was okay, I suppose, but I kept thinking that it needed someone like Nick Nolte or like Christopher Walken to just be the other guy, just kind of like, ah, why do we know? And then like, ah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think you're right. I think it was Christopher Walken with Elijah Wood. That movie would have worked better. That would be great. I'd love that. Yeah. Oh, don't. I, I, no, we just shoot her in the head. Shoot her in the fucking head. You just put two between her eyes and, and you just <laughs> let it happen. I don't know why I turned into Shatner when I did that. But anyway. That been, yeah, that would have been good. Oh, Shatner even. That would have been fine. Shatner, Shatner, Shatner and Elijah. That would have been just fantastic. You got to shoot her in the head. You got to shoot her in the head. Just you shoot her. Have put her lights out. Shoot right, right in the head. We can't leave a witness alive. Put that goddamn bitch out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude. I would have paid good money to see that. So the pot belly Shatner with Elijah Wood is like the mass criminal masterminds taking on a heroin organization. That, uh, so anyway, needless to say, yeah. the movie that wins here is National Treasure. Yeah. Yes, I really enjoyed that movie. And I was, I was surprised I'd not seen it before. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I mean, I'm, I love Indiana Jones. And it's really the sort of movie I wish Indiana Jones 4 had been. Um, you know, and I haven't watched the second one yet because I liked it so much. I wanted to leave a bit of space. Um, and I just saw that they're doing a TV series that Nick Cage isn't in. But yeah, I saw they're that doing too. National Treasure TV series? Yeah, on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I watched it. Well, I saw it in theaters when it came out and I was... I did, I did too, yeah. I was a kid. I was maybe... I don't know. No, what year did that come out? Do we know? Yeah, probably about the same time as 2004 as, as Jones. 2004, I was what, 13? Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
<laughs> but it was, it, I remember liking it a lot then because it was, I mean, it was interesting too. I feel like I would, all the US history stuff in it was shit I was learning at school at the time because I was in like yeah, seventh yeah. or eighth grade. Um, so yeah, and I haven't, I don't think I'd seen it since. And I, you know, I rewatched it now before before we did this. They, they really did well with that. I enjoyed the second one. Um, they added a little more star power to it because they had uh, uh, Ed, um, uh, what's his name? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was Cobra uh, Kai, by the way. I was watching Cobra Kai whilst I was watching the Nick Cage movies. And it, and that's where you got that. confused. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Ed, Ed, why can't I think of his name? From, from, uh, from, uh, um, crap, R- The Rock. Harris? Ed Harris? Ed Harris, thank you. Uh, He's in the second one. Helen Mirren is in the second one. Um, you know, because the first one, they really kind of caught lightning in a bottle. Harvey Keitel, uh, Sean Bean, you know, uh, so many just good characters. John Voight. Yeah, John Voight. Yeah, John yeah, Voight yeah. and Sean Bean playing the same role they've played in like four other movies. True. Like, True. I was like, I'm like, but you just like John Voight is like in like the Lara Croft movie. They're the same thing, just like the dad of the adventurer. Yes. Yes. Sean Bean, like the guy who at the beginning is partners with James Bond, <laughs> and then it all goes fucking pear shaped, and then yes, 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 it's like almost exactly the same as the beginning of Golden Eye. Yes, you know, yes. Come on, James, we're gonna do this. Like when he's like, no, it's not worth it, but we gonna do it. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, yeah, I really enjoy National Treasure. So National Treasure goes on, yeah. Yep. Yes. All right. So the next uh, uh, brackets are Raising Arizona, 1987. Versus Pig. And Raising Arizona, I believe, is like his first big, the second big headlining that he's like the headliner. Second or third. There was that one that we tried to find, but you couldn't find it anywhere, like The Boy in Blue or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you couldn't find that video anywhere, so we didn't watch it. But uh, Raising Arizona is like, that was his like breakout movie. And um, Pig was the recent one that everyone was like, oh, he's making a great comeback. And this was interesting. Raising Arizona over the years has reached basically legendary status. And I never watched it. And so when I watched it, I was actually a little bit just, and it was the Coen Brothers' like first movie, wasn't it? No, it wasn't the first. It wasn't the first? No. They'd, it was um... one of their early movies. And I watched it and I was like, ugh, it's okay. But, I mean, and you know, it had John Goodman and it had Holly Hunter and, you know, the, it, William Forsythe. They had all these individual performances that were great. Uh, it was, to me, it was kind of like they weren't quite sure if they wanted to make it grounded or a farce. And so, like, I was just kind of pulled in and out of it a little bit. I was just like, well, are we going full farce? Mm-hmm. Or are we going to try and make it kind of something kind of grounded? Oh, brothers- have that problem though like some i've had that issue with a bunch of um, brothers movies that other people really liked and i haven't like a good example of that was the burn after reading i did not like that movie i remember it came out and people loved it and i didn't like it for that same reason i was like it just kind of gets some characters are like clowns right i don't believe those characters you like you'll have like a like george clooney like a (laughs) carrying straight man and then you'll have these wacky characters popping up where you're like i just don't believe that person and right. it kind of distracts you a little bit. Whereas yeah. like Fargo is a great example of why they got it like perfect. Where mm, you're right. like, oh, the characters are wacky, but because oh. the place is wacky. It's a wacky right. place. Right, all of them are kooky. Like, right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. 
uh, yeah. So instead of making a normal thing and putting wacky people in, it's like you get a crazy situation and put it in a place where people are normal but a little wacky. Yes. That's, yes. I. It was. Yeah. And then there's Pig. And Pig, like, there was so much buildup for Pig again. And I saw Pig, and I was just like, okay, it's a story. Yeah. I think I think it almost like it fails because it didn't carry through with like especially the trailers. The trailers really... he was gonna go full Rambo, and then you're like, oh, he just I, I don't know, porks the pig, pardon the pun, you know, in, in, in his shed in the middle of freaking nowhere. And you have all these like chefs and restaurateurs that he basically brought up and made them all good. In was it Portland? I guess somewhere on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, it was like Pacific. <laughs> I would. Well, go ahead if you. Yeah, let's... No, no, no. I was gonna say pig. Pig to me, it was it was an okay story, but I didn't think anything overarching or magnificent about it. Like his his portrayal was good, but the story was kind of odd. See, okay, I really liked pig, and I would I would say based on what you said, Tomo. I think when it was announced, everyone sort of thought it was going to be Nicolas Cage going crazy, like they stole his pig and he's going to murder everyone. Right. right, Someone someone tweeted like, yeah, taken with bacon and stuff like that. But (laughs) if you guys remember when the first trailer came out, the trailer, I think, actually represents the movie pretty well because the trailer was kind of quiet and understated. And I remember seeing that trailer and being like, is he going to go batshit crazy in this or not? Because in the trailer, it's really quite calm. They show like, they show him like fighting in one scene or something, but it's like, if you remember, the trailer was really kind of quiet. There wasn't a lot of dialogue. Um, and the movie was like that. The movie was kind of, you know, uh, meditative almost in a way. And that was like him retreading, you know, his old territory and stuff. Right. Um, and it really was this kind of quiet, understated movie. <coughs> I don't know. I really liked Pig. I watched it. I watched it on a plane last year, last December, this past December. Right. Um, so I saw that before we started doing doing these, but um, I thought Nick Cage was great in it. And I liked the sort of, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. It was almost like a, almost like a mystery or like a noir in the way that he went from like place to place to right. like retread right. old places and grab clues to go to the next place to find out where his pig was. Um, so it wasn't, it's not my favorite movie, by you know, but no, because it, it, I liked it for me. Like I said, it was okay. I didn't, I didn't dislike it, but for me, it was just one of these, um, indie movies that they sometimes have. And I don't know if that was the point of it, I suppose. Cause sometimes, you know, directors, they're just like, but that's what I want to leave was whether, was he somehow related to the kid? You know, because he fixed the kid's relationship with his dad. You know, that whole thing, like, uh, is this a nephew? Is this, you know, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Because the dad knew him. And it, so there was all these questions like, what? why would this guy give it's a just sh- Redemption. It just offers him the chance yeah. to have redemption. That's yeah, all that I is, so. I think. I guess. Yeah, like I said, it wasn't bad, but it was just, it was a story. I wasn't, I wasn't impressed with it one way or another i didn't think it was terrible but i wasn't like anything like oh okay it was a movie yeah see raising arizona for me i thought was kind of same as you tomo like is it trying to be a farce or is it not i feel like for the most part it was kind of just 
over the top and kind of goofy. And I really had fun with it. I enjoyed it. Everybody in it was good, but it wasn't anything memorable for me. And I don't no, no, care right. to see it again type of thing, um, right. which I know a lot of some people hold that movie up pretty high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, people really, really build that one up. When you compare it to like, I said Fargo and like No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Like some of those like classic Coen Brothers movies. It's like, yeah, kind of. This, I don't they, really... this is how they started. Right, right. So, I mean, yeah. that all of that being said, I'd pick Raising Arizona over Pig. I'd pick Pig over Raising Arizona. Okay. Sean, you, you're the breaking vote. <laughs> I, I, um, oof. I think I'd pick Pig. Um, I think I put pig and just because I think it represents something a little bit more um, original in a way I I think it was it's interesting it disappointed me because it's not what I thought it was going to be right and um, I yeah I don't know like I, I think it's a better movie than Raising Arizona as far as what it achieved and what it did, but I just don't. It was, it had a little. It was a little too pretentious for me. I think mm-hmm. pretentious is the word. Yes, that is good. It, yeah, it was I mean, a little bit. It's and I think what was funny about it, what I found odd, is so much about the narrative to me was about a man who was escaping pretense, like a dude who like got sick and tired of pretentious bullshit, so went to live in a cabin like fucked a pig or whatever right. and, and then like so then you're he did not like, fuck that pig he, he, didn't he was sure that. did he his did crotch not smelled like bacon all the no. dogs his crotch <laughs> well, you're making a movie and it's so pretentious i'm like and he's like so i do pretense i'm like dude you're the most fucking pretentious person here we are in the movie, movie. yes he was. Like, it, I, I wanted one i wanted like one light <clears throat> i suppose it's supposed to be the kid the young guy who's supposed to be the lighter like kind of you know stuck right. in the mud kind of like what's going on here but he wasn't enough like he needed yeah. again it needed a crystal walker or a nick nolte to be like what the fuck why are we doing this for a pig Fuck's you know and, pig. And, and i guess it was supposed to be just a story about like the restaurant world where here's this like you know because in the restaurant world, basically, it's like these chefs are. There's a phrase in Croatian: they're 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 God and they're the whip. You know, everything they say fucking goes. They can abuse the shit. Right, Gordon Ramsay, that whole stereotype. They just abuse the shit out of you. <clears throat> and all these famous French yeah. chefs that they all pass that down. They said it was a bunch of women that taught them. And these guys, like these, you know, Michelin-starred French chefs that were, you know, five stars or whatever, they would be like, <clears throat> in their 60s, they would wake up in a sweat in the middle of the night thinking of how these women terrorized them. So this passing on of all this, like, cooking assholes, and then it's like, oh, I'll step in a ring and every waiter's going to light up to beat the shit out of them for, like, two minutes. Like, I'll give you $2,000 just to beat the shit out of this guy. So, you know, that was kind of like a weird interlude because it was almost like, oh, fight club for waiters. I was kind of like, I have you seen most waiters? I don't think a lot of waiters can throw punches. They already have fight club of waiters. It's called MMA. <laughs> Every fucking go to any MMA, it's all fucking just waiters. <laughs> you're, dude, you're a fucking guy called Greg, who's your like girlfriend's brother, who's into MMA and he works at Applebee's. 
Like that's, that's what it fucking is now. So uh, okay, so so then we're picking pig over at raising Arizona, is what you guys say. Yeah. Okay, all right. So that's going to be National Treasure versus pig. Yes. I'm picking National Treasure. Oh, National Treasure versus Pig is the next. Mm-hmm. Wait, are we going that in that order? Or are we going to? Oh the no, next? we can we can go to the next bracket. All right, let's do the first rounds first. Yeah. Okay, oh, let's go across the brackets. Oh, I know. <laughs> We're already in the semifinals. Okay. <laughs> exactly. No, you're right. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad. My bad. It's been a while. <clears throat> so let's go to 2020s brackets, 2010, 2020s, and we have adaptation versus Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. I did not watch Bad Lieutenant, as I told you guys. It's one of the few I didn't get to. I will just throw my two cents in real quick to say that Adaptation was surprisingly pleasant, and I really enjoyed it for, like, a really fucking weird, you know, um, very uh, self-aware type of movie. Um, It was really cool. I really liked it. Yes, I I did, too. I was uh, pleasantly surprised by... um, Meryl Streep's character. Yeah. Because I was like, I've never seen Meryl Streep play a character like this. Yeah. Like the closest I saw was in, um, uh, what was the recent one? Adam McKay, uh, Look Up. Oh, Don't Look Up. That was the closest character. And that was, of course, years after this one. So I was really surprised with like how her character kind of developed and the whole thing. And I thought Nicolas Cage's um, character work was really good, like playing the twin brothers. Yeah, he was great. And it he was, was super, really... super meta. It was like yeah, a movie yeah, yeah, yeah. about the movie that they were making, which is based on a book, which is actually a real book that, that was based on, that they wrote the script based on. But the, it was like confusing how meta it was. But once yeah, you just yeah, kind yeah. of went into it and were like, fuck it, let's just watch the movie. I, I, I enjoyed I thoroughly, it. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Bad Lieutenant was just bad. Um, <laughs> Nicholas Cage was terrible in it. The, the Werner Herzog cuts were confusing. Like the movie started and the cut was so abrupt that I thought that the DVD skipped. And I went back and I actually looked for something online. I was like, is this a fucked up DVD? Or I don't understand what's happening. Cause like Val Kilmer was there. And I was like, okay, he's a major character. And then he showed up again at like somewhere in the middle of the movie and then at the end. And I was like, how is he not one of the main cat? It the whole thing was just weird. Um, Ava <clears throat> Mendez was in it, you know. Nicolas Cage, I guess he was okay as the type of character he was supposed to play. But the movie itself was just like painful to watch. The story was had no cohesion. It it didn't make I, sense half of it. I, it, I don't it, think it, you deserve to keep speaking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what how you're saying any of it. Andrew, you've not seen it. But let me let me put this. This will mean something to you because I know you. This is a movie that got five stars from Empire Magazine. Five stars. Uh, the breakdown here from Empire. Okay. Empire is an exhilarating riff on the cop thriller drama by a director at the top of his game. Herzog is also at his most accessible here, powered by an incendiary performance from Nicolas Cage, a very bad lieutenant, then a bloody good film. Damn. 
five this stars. Is this, five. This, is, this is a British reporter? Yes. Of yeah. course. Yeah. So it's garbage. This is now I'm wildly intrigued and really wish I oh, watched this movie to help settle this. I'm trying five to star review. I think it's the only five star empire out of the whole list. Really? Yep. On this yep. list? No, I think they might have given Pig five stars. Oh, maybe. Oh, probably leaving Las Vegas is all I imagine. Or maybe it was four. But I remember, I remember they 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 were big fans of Pig. Um, damn. See, should we pause this real quick? I'll go watch the movie and then we'll resume so we can settle this. I will watch yeah. it eventually, just for for, for our yeah, sake. Look, whether you like the movie or not, adaptation was a better movie. Well, that's the that's what Sean is going to be because obviously, Tomo, we know where you land. So Sean, yeah, yeah. where and I don't. Yeah, I, can't, I, I, I can't, land in I can't, reality. Um, I can't. I can't vote. So, uh, Sean, it, where does where does it land in comparison to adaptation for you? It's a very good question. And you know, uh, if you'd have asked me this before we start watching these movies, oh, I, I was thinking before you chugged that seven and a half percent. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I watched Bad Lieutenant when it first came out, um, and it, it, it actually and, was in the movies. Yeah, it was a big movie. It was a big movie. I, I saw it. I saw it when it came it out. Twelve million dollars. Well, what can I tell you? I'm a. You know, I'm an, an accessible it's not a big movie. 2010, so I was 21. I remember watching it with my parents. Uh, okay, how many doobies did you have before you went to see this movie? <laughs> That's um, my question. I, I don't know, but I I remember really liking it when I saw it the first time, of and I liked it a lot this time. I liked it more this time, in fact. I appreciate it. Who, who, who did you see the movie with first? First, my parents. Okay. Still moving my parents. But um, no, I, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I forgot Val Kilmer was in it. That was a nice little plus. I was like, oh, Val Kilmer. Um, and uh, yeah, I really liked it. However, adaptation is worth saying. What, what year did adaptation come? No, actually, I don't need to do that math. It doesn't matter when it came out. Adaptation I when came first. out 2002. Okay, I remember I first watched Adaptation in probably the worst place to watch it, I guess, <clears throat> which was my now wife at the time, girlfriend, I went to visit her at her university and in, she went to an arts university and in the arts university, they had a really extensive uh, DVD library and you could go into a viewing room and you could take a DVD out of the library and sit in a little viewing booth with a little okay. TV and put headphones on and watch a movie. And I was like waiting for her. She was in classes or something. And I was like, I'm going to go and pick a movie. And I was like, I've never seen that movie. And I remember it got great reviews. So I was like, okay, I'll watch this. And I remember sitting there in this little viewing room on my own in the library watching this movie and getting angrier and angrier and angrier as the time went on. And it's been in my, I can't even know if it's five, but let's say top five movies that I've been the most angry at that I've ever watched in my life. It was in there. Those movies are White Chicks. Bridget Jones, Age of Reason. It's a comedy classic. I walked out of White Chicks. It's awful. Oh my God. Bridget I'll Jones to The Edge of Reason. Same thing. I walked out after 20 minutes. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is awful. Um, Metropolis by David Cronenberg, starring uh, Robert Pattinson from maybe like 10 years ago or so. Saw that in the movie theaters. Fucking awful. Okay. And that movie with, um, is it called Killing Them Softly? Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah. I fucking hated that yes. too. Oh, 
Oh, I've seen, there's a lot of good people life. in that too. Right? And yeah, I bet you Empire gave people. five stars to all of those. No. Oh, trash. Yes. And Empire gave five stars to all of those movies you listed. Empire's, Empire is a very reputable magazine, Tomo. And you not, if they're, not if they're valuing this movie. It, but anyway, my point being is I yes. rewatched Adaptation this time, coming in with a view of like, ugh, this fucking trash, I hate this movie. And a completely different perspective. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was really good. And it's probably one of the best examples in all of these brackets of a movie that suits Nicolas Cage perfectly. Mm. Like it just suits exactly what he brings to the table. He can play like neurotic, kind of weird. And then he can play kind of like confident, like bombastic in the same way. Usually he does the same, he's in one movie playing one character and he does both those things. But now they're like, what's the best way we get Nicolas Cage? It's like, have him do that, what he does in every movie, but play two different people. So it's more realistic. <laughs> it's not just one crazy unhinged guy. Right, 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 right. And it's a great use of his skills. Um, it is. I it's very interesting. Another cool fact about this, which have either of you watched the, um, and if you haven't, you should, because it's great. The HBO TV show, it's called How To With John Wilson. No. no. Oh, you'd love it. It's really good. It's a comedy docu-series. And it's this filmmaker who lives in Queens and he goes around and he documents New York City. And it's, and it's about stuff that goes on. He just films the crazy shit on the streets of New York and he'll do right. the whole episode based on what he finds. And it's so funny. It's really funny. This guy's super acerbic and weird. And he's like, oh, look at, look at how this guy over here, he's, he's working out uh, on the street. Like, oh, look at he's weird. And it's really funny. But what I found crazy is one of the people on the writing staff, and it's a hilarious show. It's won a bunch of awards. One of the higher profile names on the writing staff mm-hmm. is the woman who wrote the fucking Orchid, book. the actual oh. Orchid book that this okay. movie is based on. So the character of um, what's her face played? Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mel yeah, Streep. The real life yeah. character that Mel Streep was playing is on the writing staff for this really funny That's HBO comedy show. Funny. Because she's actually like, you know, she's in her early 60s now. Right. So she's right. like 20 years younger than Mel Street, you know, in, in reality. Right, right, right. But yeah, I thought I, I really enjoyed the movie. And for what it's worth, and even I'm not going to argue it, I do think Adaptation is a better movie than Bad Lieutenant. Um, just because it's original and Bad Lieutenant is technically a remake. Yes. Um, a, a sequel. Yeah. Well, it's not really, but I, I mean. Well, yeah. But it's called yeah. Bad Lieutenant again. So it's like, okay. Be like bad apple, different barrel. Eh, eh, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. I, I do think adaptation is better. So, okay, very good. So then let's go to Face Off, nineteen ninety-seven versus Joe, twenty thirteen. I had never seen Face Off before watching it for this, which neither have I. Crazy and Empire probably gave it five stars. Ah, do you want to like, find out? Yeah, Look it up, Sean. Um, Please. <laughs> Face Off is the most over-the-top, ridiculous, fun, stupid movie I've ever seen. Yes. It is... Five stars. It's like... <laughs> Did they really? Yeah, five stars from Empire. Sure, this is what they say. Sure, there are niggles. The most obvious being the length, which could have been reduced by trimming the prison sequences. But in the end, this may be his finest moment so far, which by default puts it in as having a strong claim on 
the title of best action movie ever made. Really? Talking about John Woo here. Yeah. Well, it was a John Woo movie. I yes. mean, we got those doves. I was waiting. I was waiting the whole movie for the doves. And then what is it? The church scene or something? Yep. When they yeah. come in, that was great. Um, yeah, I feel like it is both. It is in many ways the best and in many ways the worst movie I've ever seen. So right yes. down the middle, just yes. fun, easy to watch film. Very, yeah, no, yes. Now, wildly entertaining, absolutely. And I said after I watched it, I sent a text to the guys. I said, this movie was made for our podcast. <laughs> totally. It's so fucking stupid. There's so much shit going on here that you're like, that would never happen. Not in a million <laughs> years. Not in a million years. Here we have this uh, 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 world-renowned fucking terrorist that we caught and we put him in a coma and we peeled off his face to give it to an agent. And then we left him in the building by himself. There was no nurses. There was nobody to watch over him. Nobody to change his fucking bedpan. Nobody to fucking, you know, monitor the machines that are beeping. And he gets up. Through the pain of having no face, which clearly doesn't bother him. No, clearly doesn't bother him. Gets He's all- still able to murder someone. And, and call his people. It's like, <laughs> how, how he access the phone codes, I don't know. He, has a he calls his people, he has a cigarette in the cigarette. hospital. <laughs> no it's like ultra secret hospital. Where did it come from? I don't know. And these guys show up and they know right away where the doctors live. They know where all the other agents live. They kill them all. I'm like, what is happening right now? This was so bad. And then, of course, he's like, even before they catch him over the top with the like, him in the chorus and Nick Cage doing just like the dancing and grabbing the girl by the ass and he's like ah, ah like a priest. I'm just like, this is so I mean the boys are over the top. I will say this one just simply because of the graphic violence. <clears throat> the boys have basically jumped a shark. They've gone too far in, in season three, if you ask me. At least in the first episode. At least in the first episode for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, Face Off is actually, I think, more over the top than The Boys. It doesn't have as much of the gratuitous, just graphic violence, but Face Off is just so bad that way, which made it hilarious. Right, and how about when, so it's Nicolas Cage's character, but with John Travolta's face on. (laughs) Right. And and as John Travolta, he starts banging his wife, and there's just that whole like little subplot. Oh, it. Oh, it. And, 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 oh, no. And I love the way John Travolta comes in. And I was actually a little bit like, oh, should we pick this as a Nick Cage movie? Because it's almost more of a John Travolta movie, you know? But it, the time ended up being split kind of like 50-50, like between the stars or whatever. But when he walks in and he's like, the daughter's there, and he tells him the cigarette. He's like, ooh, the plot thickens. And he like lights a cigarette. And I was just like, this is... Come on, man. It's like it's a great vehicle for Travolta because we've uh, seen Nick Cage do both of those. We've seen him do crazy and we've seen him play like a concerned real person. Yes. But Travolta, apart from Pulp Fiction, it's like the only movie I can think of where like at the beginning of the movie where Travolta is playing the boring cop. You're like, yeah. look at Travolta being the most fucking bloated, overrated movie star. He's so fucking boring. He's just like, yeah, we're doing a good job. We're cops, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> oh, Travolta. And then when he turns, you're like, Oh, look at Travolta having fun. Like, he is having cool fun. as a bad having guy. <clears throat> I mean, it's an absolute fun... Uh, Over-the-top villain like that is always just, like, the best character to play, isn't it? Because you just go, yeah, fuck it, just do whatever you want, you know? 
So <clears throat> in terms of entertainment, I thought it was fantastic. In terms of movies, I was like, this is the most god-awful piece of garbage movie ever. And it made, where is it? $490 million. And I was like, what were people watching? Was everybody still? I saw this at the cinema. I saw this at the cinema. This was a huge movie in the UK. People I know. Well, this was a huge movie here. I know. I remember when it yeah. came out, everyone was like, face off, face off, right? It became a cultural reference. And I finally saw it. And I was just like, what the fuck is it was almost like a Hulk Hogan movie. Yeah. Like if you oh, have which I love. movie. Give me Suburban Commando any day. <laughs> My wife couldn't watch this movie. It's worth adding. My wife, Emily, hated this movie. She watched five minutes of it and was like, I can't watch any more of this shit. This is yes. awful. And that's before yes. any action happened. No yes. faces came off. It was like, you have to get this like... 25, 30 minutes before the faces come off, before yes. anyone even mentions faces coming off. It's just like 25 minutes of boring police procedural shit. Yeah, like, Nicolas Cage like <clears throat> humping the air. Yes. Yeah. He's doing a lot of air humping. He was just like, constantly <laughs> humping the air. And it's quite it was, dated. Like, it's very oh, oh, dated. Yeah. Oh, God. So, so, yeah, terrible. Terrible. So that versus Joe. Joe was a direct-to-video in 2013 was joe direct to video i think so i don't think it, well if it wasn't it made four hundred thousand dollars. i it was indie it was an indie but it can't be direct video so <clears> yeah i don't think out. so oh okay i love i've got to say i love joe that might I, I be did too. it might be too. my favorite movie of all of these um i just thought it was great i i just watched it a couple weeks ago for the first time i'd never seen it watched it for this um i thought it was great like the kind of southern hardworking vibe and um have you guys Coming ever seen age. have you guys ever seen mud with uh matthew mcconaughey yeah very similar it, it kind of reminded me of kid. that and tyler sheridan yeah i think this came out after mud so Ty, tyler is it tyler yeah. or ty sheridan ty ty sheridan he's a little older in this but he's still young and <laughs> he was in ready player one right you yes him? yeah that's was, him. He was... i was not terribly impressed with anything about that movie and I wasn't terribly impressed with him in that but in this movie and in Mud when he's younger I love Ty Sheridan I think he's fantastic um and him and Nicolas Cage were great the story was great I'm just like the hard-working southern coming of age all I eat that up the whole thing I love the movie everything about it I agree <clears throat> I agree I thought it was really well done um Nicolas Cage kind of was like a crazy kind of character, mm -hmm. but he was a very grounded kind of character. Like he's he the was, guy, you're just like, I've met this guy before. Right. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say he's a he was crazy, but like real world crazy. Like the yeah, guy yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in your town that you know of who's like everybody right. knows. And him. he yeah. was understated and you know, like you said, the whole blue collar vibe. Him just trying to help guys get work and do honest work and looking after these guys. And, you know, he sees this kid and he's like, you know, this kid needs looking after because his father's a freaking alcohol. The guy who played his father was fantastic. Yeah. He that was guy, bag. I looked him up. This was one of the first movies that did this sort of thing, I think, because now it's been really popular, especially with like, what was it? The Nomadland. Uh -huh. That dude was really, he was a homeless guy. He was a... He was a drug addict, drunk, homeless dude that the director 
uh, met on the streets. He actually just started um, filming him. He just put this kid in front of him, let him smack him around and just filmed it. There was no <laughs> acting. He was actually some nuts. <laughs> I thought you'd be serious. I was like, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> it, it, a little bit like that. They put Ty <laughs> Sheridan in front of him and he just started beating him. And he's like, I guess yeah. we're rolling with it. That's the story. He just, he, he bumped into him one day. Um, he was scouting for the movie. He was looking around and saw this dude and he was like hustling in the streets and talking to people, like trying to get cigarettes and trying to get drink. I was like, this guy looks exactly like I need this character to look. He has that fucking look. And he started talking to him. He's like, and he was like looking at his eye and he did like a test shoot. And he's like, this guy's eyes, like this guy's like a real, he's like, man, I wonder if I can get this fucking guy. And he cast him and he's never acted in his life, never done anything else, yeah. did this movie. Um, and uh, he died two weeks after yeah. the movie came out. Because he probably drank two cases of scotch that he could buy with the money for the movie. Yeah, yeah. He, di- he died before he could make the movie premiere. He wow. died of, yeah, he was found dead in the streets. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Crazy. So to watch it as knowing that as well, it's even darker. I didn't even know that. Wow. Exactly. Yeah, that's a different that's a different experience right there. Yeah. He was yeah. great in the movie. Like, <coughs> he was. Think, as you were you were just starting to say, Tomo, he was fantastic. He was fantastic. I mean, like I said, uh, blue collar, coming of age, all of it, you know, alcoholism, so many things that touched on. I would pick this over face off to go further. Same. Yeah, me too. I, I like the the movie was it was very very Americano. It's very, very like John Steinbeck. Yeah, very old yes, school. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I liked how he was playing this complex dude that they didn't delve into every part of his character. Which movies don't do that anymore. Like he had all this stuff that it nowadays they'd want to make a prequel to this movie. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. To like, give you his whole backstory and everything. Yeah. They only gave you what you needed. Right. Yeah. Yeah, right. like that. Right. Okay. All right. So we have those. We have adaptation going on. And we have Joe going on. Joe, an underdog at uh, 15 seed going on. So so let's let's pause now and go get our drinks. Right on. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. So we're back from our little break. We got our new round of drinks before we finish the rest of the first round of the movies. Um, Andrew. You have a cocktail. Would you tell us, please, what your cocktail is? Yes. This is a cocktail that I have uh, generously named The Bitter End, which I Mm. thought was just kind of fitting for for Nicolas Cage. It's essentially, I ripped off a a recipe I found online for a bitter sour. So it's basically a a variation on a whiskey sour that uses Campari and bitters. So it's it's basically your general, you know, uh, simple syrup, whiskey, whiskey. lemon but then this has you know some bitters and campari in it as well um to give it more of a, a bitter taste to it and i call it the bitter end and i thought it's you know bitter and different and a little funny kind of fits nicholas cage huh i'm gonna have to try and make that because that sounds delicious actually i'll give you the recipe okay yeah yeah sean what do you have i have <laughs> leave the gun take the cannoli milk stout Okay. Um, ale brewed with lactose and cannoli shells. A dark, rich milk stout loaded with cannoli shells, designed and brewed right here in Joycey City. Forget about it. Oh, yeah. Um, if if course, I'm ever backed up, I'm going to ask you where you bought that and have one so that I can clean, <laughs> so I can clean house the next morning. Did you say oatmeal milk stout? It is. 
Yes, and uh, no, uh, it's not oatmeal. It's ju- it's it's just an a- it's just milk stout. Just milk. Okay, stout. just a milk stout. And um, what's your, uh, ABV on that? ABV is seven point four. You were doing the heavy hitters today, huh? And mm-hmm. IBUs, I'm guessing, being a stout. Um, IBUs. I don't think it. Li- oh, maybe it does. Um, no, it doesn't list it. No. Okay. Let's see if I can find it here. 902 Brewing Company, Jersey City. Who is it? 902 Brewing Company. 902 Brewing Company. Okay. Okay. And my beer is this. I also picked this one in mind. This is a Huga, which is a Imperial Pilsner from Hackensack Brewing Company. 7.8% alcohol by volume, uh, zero IBUs. <clears throat> and it's like a Pilsner dedicated to basically hip hop culture. And I'll tell you why I picked this. I can totally see Nick Cage doing a biopic about Rick Rubin. And Andrew, if you don't know who Rick Rubin is, which I'm guessing by expression you don't, Rick Rubin is the producer who produced uh, Run DMC, The Beastie Boys, did a whole, he basically started Def Jam with Russell Simmons. Mm. And then went on to fame with, he just started working with everybody. He did uh, um, the Chili Peppers famously, uh, uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, um, Tom Petty, Jay-Z, the, 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 I don't know if it was the Black Album or the one after that, the Comeback Album. He did that one. And he was always just this like enormous like dude who was a heavy metal dude. And just like would make these, he was the one that famously brought Aerosmith to run DMC so they could do walk this way together. Ah. That together. So oh, and cool. he's 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 one of the most sought after producers in American music. Um so that's why I picked Ahuga. So that that's where I'm at. Um any whiskey in particular you used, Andrew? Wild Turkey 101, baby. Okay. Wild Turkey 101. Which very appropriate considering it's Nicolas Cage also, I think. He was drinking bourbon in a lot of these movies. He was. He was indeed. Okay. All right, gents. Let's uh, crack these open. Give the listeners what they want. Uh, clinky, clinky for you, Andrew. Sean. This should also in tribute to all the weird amounts of Italian American actors who are dying left, right, and center. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Paul Savino. Yes. Paul today. Yeah. Um, and James Khan, like last yes. week, and yes. and also the guy who played. Uh, What's his name in Sopranos? That's right. Polly Walnuts. Polly Walnuts. Walnuts. And then, of course, um, uh, Radiota. It's been a lot this year. It's been, yeah, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. Oh, that Pilsner is delicious. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that Pilsner is getting a high grade for me. All right. So let's go to what do we want? The 80s brackets or the 90s brackets? Well, you know what? Let's describe our drinks first. Andrew, why don't you tell us about your cocktail? Uh, it's really nice. I've made okay. this before, but I do like it a lot. Um, I've got it, the recipe down nicely, so it's a good balance. You get a bit of the bitter from the Campari, but it's not overwhelmingly bitter. Okay. Um, but it gives it definitely a different taste than your traditional whiskey sour. Okay. Um, it's very refreshing. It's a good summer drink, actually. Excellent. That's always that's always plus. Uh, uh, Sean, you want to go next, or you want me to go? Um, 
Yeah, okay. It, this is weirdly um, uh, dark and like sort of complex. It's not, I kind of, I don't know, because the, the satellite brewed with cannoli shells and milk stout, I thought it would kind of be a little bit sweeter on the sweeter end of things. Uh, uh-huh. This is very bitter, very bitter, very dark. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, like far and away from like chocolate stouts or any of that kind of very sure. like yeah, old very stout. Dark. Yeah, it's a very dark old school stout. Like it's very mm-hmm. um, stodgy. I mean, not in a bad way. It's just very different from what I expected. Right, right, right. Um, but I'm glad I did not choose this to be the one I downed in sixty seconds. <laughs> yeah, I would have been. That would have been that would have been made the reels if you did that. I would have had to put that on reels. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this one, the Imperial Pilsner, and we've had this before, Sean, but I, I haven't graded it. This because it's a Pilsner, you think it's kind of a light beer, and it's not what you expect. And seven point eight percent, it just drinks like a summer beer. This is one of those you're at a barbecue, and this is all they have. You're like, well, this is fantastic, and then you're three beers in. And that heat wave hits like we had this last week. And you're just like, what is happening right now? Because 7.8%, it's got a kick. And it's a very full flavor. It almost tastes like it's a lager. But it's um, it has a little bit of the hops are coming through a little bit. Nothing, nothing like IPA-ish or anything like that. But real easy to drink. Uh, good carbonation. Just a tasty, tasty, tasty beverage. Yeah, I'm impressed with the Hackensack Brewery. They have some good well, stuff there, yeah. In fact, this Pilsner is a little bit on the sweet side. Just slightly, but good drink. All right, 80s or 90s brackets, where do we want to go? 80s. 80s, okay. So our first matchup is Valley Girl, 1983, versus Red Rock West, 1993. Now, I know, uh, Andrew, you didn't see Red Rock West because we only had four months to watch these movies. Um, but uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I mean, I'll start with Valley Girl. Valley Girl was entertaining. It was, it was like a teenage version of Face Off. It was incredibly stupid and incredibly entertaining at the same time because it was like, what the, f- what? Wow. And you could see like the stereotypical 80s tropes that were all like locked in this movie. Like with the bad guy like fooling around with his girlfriend's best friend, you know, sticking his hand up her skirt and getting her top off because it's a movie made in 1983. So there's got to be at least one girl that's showing her boobs, you know, that kind of shit. Um, And Nicolas Cage, like a young guy. I think this is like the only movie where he didn't have some kind of stupid accent going, but he did at the same time because he's a little bit of a California dude. Yeah, he was kind of like, Ooh. <clears throat> yeah. Wasn't this one of his first movies too? It's like his yes, second this, movie or something. I think this is, I think this is his first lead. Yeah, yeah, it was his first lead. Yeah. yeah. So, and it might be his first like big movie. You know, there might have been something that that never made the screens or whatever. And I mean, it was, it was, I remember so many other 80s movies that I've watched that I'd watch over again before I'd watch this. You know, uh, Last American Virgin, I'd watch that over this. You know, <laughs> uh, Better Off Dead, I'd watch that over this. You know, it, it's, 
it's like almost they didn't they tried to make it look like it's a realistic thing and they didn't want to go the comedy route you know and it's like who's this high school kid that hangs out in punk rock clubs and everybody knows him by name you know he goes to the bar and they're like hey what's going on man when do you get up on stage blah 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 and then they had the weird band playing the entire movie you know it's just this was this is one of those movies that I was just like, eh, okay. This is just funny, like a tickly kind of funny. Like, huh, I can't believe they did this. You know, it's so terribly dated. Yeah. I enjoyed it as like a time capsule. I, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I, okay. and, I, and, and I think one of the reasons I enjoyed it is because of that time, so many of the movies that are in my head right. that occupy the same Venn diagram are like John Hughes movies. They're the ones that have... Stood the test of time, and that alongside like Fast Times, Original on High, right. like those like big movies. And the problem I have with those movies, as enjoyable as they are, they all read like a dude in his early 40s who's a Hollywood writer writing how he thinks kids are thinking. Yes. It's too profound. Yes. Like you watch back The Breakfast Club and you're like, hmm. Kids no. aren't that deep. No. Kids don't no, talk that way. The kids, in fact, the kids that were that, that deep, other kids thought were weirdos. Yeah. Because, you know, they would walk around with, like, you know, cheats and, and all these fucking textbooks around and just, like, look at you. Like, it's like, what are you doing, Frank? You know, you kick them and that kind of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, it, that's exactly uh, it. it. The right. writers, the John Hughes's or whoever's, it's like they were the awkward kids who had no friends. So they've right. made the movies where all the characters, even the popular cool characters, speak kind of like they would be speaking. Like grown-ups. It's accepted. And what I like about Valley Girl is it kind of just was like, oh, no, I believe that this is actually... It's like Bill and Ted if Bill and Ted wasn't a comedy. Like, it's like this is actually yes. how they... I believe this is like, feels like a real... At what it would have been like in California in the early 80s, like everything feels like it matters so goddamn much. Right. But right, right, it really right. fucking doesn't. And they're all dummies. Like yes. I kind of liked it for that. I was like, no, I kind of it feels genuine. Like I had a genuine touch to it that felt kind of real. That that feeling of that I first suppose. love thing. Like yes. messy first love. Like so yeah, many yeah, of these yeah, movies yeah. about first love are too again, it's been written by a scarred dude in his 30s who's been like hurt. Like, no, this is how First Love really feels. Like, yeah, you yeah, really yeah. like, oh, my God, I'd do anything for you. Right, like, right, right, right. It's really on the face of it. You're like, oh, this is so fucking stupid. They're not gonna it's terrible. <laughs> and I kind of liked it for that. It felt kind of real. And I imagine to watch that movie at the time and be in that. And it's funny, I read an interview with Kevin Smith, and he talked about how watching Valley Girl when he was in high school made him realized he can make movies he was like yes oh finally i'm watching something that actually resembles like, there's what our there's generation a, is there's like. a, a interview he does with with nicholas cage and he says he, nicholas cage in that movie taught him how to be a boyfriend and i was just like kevin smith <laughs> that fuck is like how <laughs> of course he did it's like what yeah. what are you talking about i was like oh my god what are you saying right now so i mean yeah. Yeah, like I said, it was that movie was entertaining um, and made me laugh a lot because, like I said, it was such a time capsule and it's so just stereotypical, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. And then Red Rock West, I was pleasantly surprised by Red Rock West 
because it had, you know, Dennis Hopper in it, Lara Flynn Boyle, Nicolas Cage. And this movie might be his most grounded role in all of these movies. Where he's just a dude looking for some work and he ends up like with the shit end of the stick because he was just like, all right, I'll take this money, I guess, and do this kind of stuff. Um, I thought it was a good thriller. I thoroughly enjoyed Red Rock West. Um, and it's funny to me because it was Dennis Hopper basically at the height of his popularity, right? This was 93. Wasn't um, Speed soon thereafter or around yeah. that time, you know? And Dennis Hopper was like almost perennially the bad guy in like all these movies. There was a movie with... Waterworld killed him. That was like the last one. Waterworld, right, right, right. Um, there was a movie with Wesley Snipes when Wesley Snipes was putting out all these action movies and Dennis Hopper was the bad guy in that as well, you know? Um, so Dennis Hopper, it was funny because I think of like in terms of the characters they play, I always thought, I mean, I, I didn't always think that, but it occurred to me when I was watching that movie, Nicolas Cage and Dennis Hopper are just like 20 years apart in terms of like how their careers were going. You know what I mean? It, it was just like they almost played every character that the other one had. It was almost like, well, what are, who are we going to cast? Well, let's cast the young Dennis Hopper. Oh, it's Nicolas Cage. Let's get Nicolas Cage. Who do we want? Well, we want an old Nicolas Cage. Well, let's cast Dennis Hopper. It, it kind of feels like the two actors just like, like I said, a generation apart, and they just fall into that same, like, I can play the wacky crazy guy that switches from nice to stupid to, you know, an SOB in a heartbeat, that kind of stuff. So I thought that was a really nice thriller. I would pick Red Rock West over Valley Girl as a better movie. Um, Andrew, what your thoughts on Valley Girl? Did you, did you see Valley Girl? I did see Valley Girl. I hated it. <laughs> I thought it was terrible. I didn't really like anything about it. Um, yeah. I just thought it was obnoxious the way they talked and the way they act. I, I, it was very, very little that I liked about that movie. There was nothing for you to relate to it. Eh, not necessarily. It just was bad. Bad, in my opinion. Like, it's just dated. Just yeah. so dated that it didn't it didn't <clears throat> work for me. It's it's funny because it's kind of the same. I find a little bit like a, a show what you were talking about, like where the kids are so profound. I find that the kids in Stranger Things are a little bit profound like that. Like where they got a handle on their shit. There's like, it's like, I remember being 17. I, all I thought about is like what I'm going to eat and can I get late? I, I, these things did not like really go into my head anything else. You know, it's like, who are these right. kids that are so fucking thoughtful? I wish I knew a few of those guys because it's why the Goonies is so good and they don't seem to realize it is the Goonies is just kids being kids, like having right. fun, like fucking yes. pirates and monsters and shit and like, ah, like, yeah. Yes. That's what yes. it should be. But, but I mean, we, 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 we said that like when the Spielberg countdown, Spielberg has a way of just like, he just gets kids. Mm. That's why the kids perform in his movies. They're just magnificent. Cause he's like, you know what you need to do? Whatever he tells them, the kids are like, yep. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, that's exactly how kids are, as opposed to these, you know, like precognitive philosophers that sound like, you know, they're like 38. It's like, what? what? No, kids don't talk like that. Yeah. 
So, I, I mean, I would pick Red Rock West. I don't know about you, Sean, but since Andrew hates Valley Girl, that would put Red Rock West on vote. It's out, I guess. I mean, I think, I think probably <clears throat> um, if I gave Red Rock West a second watching, maybe I'd prefer uh-huh. it more. I was disappointed at my first viewing, I think, because it was um, – it was one of the first ones I watched and I was kind of excited because I didn't know anything about it. Okay. And the vibe immediately, I was like, oh, I like this. It's kind of noirish. It's a noir, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. And it let me down a little bit. Uh, it felt a little too small scale. I didn't, I personally didn't like Red Rock West. I thought it, I thought it, I would, I would want to give Valley Girl. In fact, I'm outvoted anyway. So let's say Red Rock's going through, but I, for my money, it would be Valley Girl just because if we're going for what it went for, for what it was going for, for me, Valley Girl achieved more of what it was trying to do than what Red Rock West did, which I felt like what it was trying to do has been done so much better by other movies that I've seen. Um, I- I, I see, I very much see and agree with your point that they've kept it a little too small scale in terms of it. But the way that everything broke down and the deputies were like, what the hell's going on with the sheriff and all of that, like the little, you know, what's going on in this like small town in, where were they, in Wyoming or something like that? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I I lean more towards Andrew's view of Valley Girl, where I was just like, this is just kind of stupid. I, you know, it's funny, but they're like you said, the way you you're saying Red Rock West was done better. I feel Valley Girl was done better in other '80s movies. Red Rock West reminded me of like the beginning or the boring bits of The Mask with Jim Carrey. Like the bits where the bad dude in the mask is like with Cameron Diaz and they're in an office where you see the fucking blinds and the slats coming in the worry. He's like, hey, girl, like you're my guy. Like, who's this dude? Ipkiss? Stanley Ipkiss? Who the fuck is this Ipkiss guy? You don't stand a chance. And he's like, oh, it felt like that. I felt like. Oh, I I didn't get that. She turned on to him so quickly. It was such a fucking trope. Oh, the idea oh, that yes, immediately yes. she'd fall for him. I'd be like, you fucking idiot. Like, really? Like, yeah. you're just like, what the hell is this? It, uh, yeah, it felt, that felt weird. I like Dennis Hopper, but Lara Flynn Brawl for me, like, she's, she's good and it was nice to see her, but her character was so badly written, I thought. She did not seem like a real person at all. Yes, you're right. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I still think Red yeah. Rock West was a better movie than, than Valley Girl. Okay, so that goes on. Now, we have actually two movies. One, again, because it won so much Oscar acclaim and whatever. And the other one, which was a complete surprise, Leaving Las Vegas, 1995, versus Color Out of Space, 2019. Leaving Las Vegas was a weird movie so weird so weird because like i understand what his character's impetus was like he's basically on the tail end of depression and he's just going to drink himself to death i get that uh the portions of the scenes where nicholas cage was you know kind of like just in a trance and having the shakes and whatever and just like looking for the and the way he was drinking i thought was just a little over the top where he was literally just like chugging whiskey the way we did this beer. 
he was like chugging glasses of whiskey. And I was like, yeah. you know what? I've seen alcoholics before. I've seen guys that drink a lot. If you do that all day with no water, you're not lasting more than two days. And he was in Vegas. Like, I, I think the, 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 the story was like, he was there for like a week. It was like, no, it's, 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 it, it wouldn't have happened. So that kind of took me out there. However, I thought his, his acting was good. I don't know if necessarily it was like Oscar winning good. Did he win an Oscar for this? Yes, that's, that's his Oscar. Really? Okay. Elizabeth Shue, though, on the other hand. She was great. She was amazing. I thought she should have won an Oscar for her performance, especially the scenes where she's trying to appeal to him and he looks like he's going to get violent with her and the way she kind of, like, reacted. And I was like, and I remember watching it, and I was like, she has grown up in a household where there's abuse. Or... She's just watched videotapes of people. The way she nailed that, I was it, like, it sent chills down my spine. I was like, ooh, like the way she kept on coming back, like for the punishment. It's like, well, let's try, like, just her portrayal of the abused person and what their mental state is to me was just outstanding. I, I think she got robbed of the Oscar. She should have had the Oscar. Besides the fact that, oh, my God, how easy on the eyes was Elizabeth Shue. And still wasn't the boys, for God's sake. So when she was in the boys, I was like, God damn, she didn't miss a beat. Um, I th- the thing that bothered me about the movie was the little jazz interludes. Like, while dialogue was going on. Yeah, and they it, tried to make it like a noir kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at, at one point, it was so bad, I kept on rewinding it because I couldn't hear the dialogue from the music. I was like, what the fuck did he say? And I kept the room, like, and I turned up my center channel, like, all the way up so I could hear, like, what is what is he saying to her? You know, when they're in the restaurant and he's kind of nasty to her and she gets up and she leaves. And I was just like, what did he, I don't know what he said to her, you know? And it's like the music and the music. So I thought that kind of, like, took me out of it a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I thought it was a good movie. But again, it's one of these things where people overhype it so much, you, you, this, you know, and it's not the movie's fault, right? This is my expectations. I'm thinking something, you know, oh, mm-hmm. this modern day Citizen Kane uh, on, you know, the just basically depravity of alcoholism. And it really wasn't that. I, like I said, I thought Elizabeth Chu's uh, acting was way better. And then, of course, a young Mariska Hargitay looking like a freaking five alarm fire, like, whoa. You know, it's like I always know mm-hmm. she was a good-looking woman, but I was like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. Like next, there's level. a bunch of there's a bunch of weird cameos in this movie. Yes, yes. French, yes. French, um, Stewart. What's his name? French Stewart is in it. Yeah. It's like an, a, a non-speaking a monster. Yeah, a Russian. And um, Julian Lennon is in it. Yes, as a bar- as a barman, who's like full-on giving it the like, "You should get out of here!" Like, what are you doing here? Like. <laughs> I was like, oh, there you go. Yeah. I think that was, no, 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 that was earlier. Uh, he had that one hit, that, that one hit he had was in the 80s, wasn't it? Julian Lennon, it was like a, it was a popular <laughs> song he played on American Radio too. I think it was in the 80s, maybe like late 80s, early 90s. Early 90s, I think, yeah, maybe yeah. 90. Now, Color Out of Space, 
this was a pleasant surprise to me. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'll tell you why, because it was very much a Lovecraft story. Like Bonkers. if you've ever read any HP Lovecraft stuff where it's, and the classic Lovecraft stuff is like something uneasy, like the, the sense of unease that this movie had was just great. And it's just like, it's happening. We don't know why it's happening. We don't care why it's happening. And we're not going to give you any explanation of why it's happening. It just fucking is. And at the end of the movie, you just felt awful. They're like, because nothing's resolved. And I was like, this is so just classic old school Lovecraft. I thought Nicolas Cage was good. I thought maybe he got a little over the top with the crazy, but you know, it's like, it's Nicolas Cage. This is what we're doing. We're being crazy. Um, I love the side characters. I, it just like I said, at the end of the movie, I felt so uneasy. And I was like, this, this movie really did its job. And I was like really pleasantly surprised. And I generally don't like horror films for, you know, like the jump and the scream and the scare and all that adrenaline. Cause I get so like wound up. This like, if somebody says like, get out of my way in the parking lot, I'm just going to punch him for no reason, you know, <laughs> because I'm just like, yeah. So I generally don't watch these like super adrenaline building uh, uh, horror things, but this movie was really enjoyable, almost like a thriller as opposed to a horror movie, but it was a horror movie and, and I, I really liked it. Yeah, it wasn't like a ton of jump scares, if I'm remembering. No, right? It was more, no. it was more like body horror and physical, like really just disturbing imagery. And right, it was so weird and disturbing that that was the horror, not the, um, which I thought worked really well. It was like, it was disturbing though. It was like to the point where Very. it was like, by yeah. the end, it was parts of it were like hard to watch. It got so bizarre, which which made me, which I hated, but also made me like the movie more. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, that was one, I think we, I told you guys, we talked about it a bit, but that was one that I remember when it came out, I wanted to see it since then. So I was excited that it was on this list. It was one of the first ones I think I watched when I sat down to watch, you know, the movies I hadn't seen. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it yeah, quite a bit. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like very pleasantly surprised with this movie. I, I, um, I thought it was all right. I, I, I think it's, I wasn't blown away by it in the same way you were. I don't, I think um, I'm not as big of a Lovecraft guy as you are. Like I've a bit of, you know, I've seen some Cthulhu stuff, Necronomicon stuff, like, but it's more traditionally Victorian. I think Lovecraft, I think Victorian. I have a hard yeah. time putting that into context. I didn't read enough to put it into context, but um, I didn't, I felt like so much of what it was doing, instead of Lovecraft, I was thinking of it in terms of like, haunting of hill house kind of vague the, the feeling of it's a family they've moved to a new place the place where they're at is like fucked up and it's sort of getting at them one by one and it seems like the bad guys are like them that's a very old trope the idea that like even if it's the shining or the haunting of right. hill house it's like you go to a place it's not your normal place and then by the end the enemy is you like you know it's it's very old hash and considering all the other things that have done that it was very kind of like paying by numbers for me for that okay okay um, mm -hmm. i felt i i was like uh, i've seen this done so many times in like genuinely like thrilling like scary ways it 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 telegraphed everything too much for me like the the fact that when Anne Heche was going all fucking weird and then when he was going weird i'm like i mean 
you don't need to play act. You don't need to have like a Jack Nicholson, like, is he crazy? Is he not crazy? Because like, you know, I can see your bulging mutant eye is like popping out. Like it's very <laughs> obvious. <laughs> it was a little, it was a little No, I, 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 I see that. Yeah, I see that. It's a little schlocky. And just to add on the other, leaving Las Vegas for me, I, I, I love that movie. And I mean, in a weird way. I mean, I don't love it in that I would want to watch it too often, but I love it in what it achieved. Um, and I remember watching it uh, years ago um, and then watching it again now. And I'd have, and it's just a personal experience point of view. I have to disagree with you on, from the point of view of alcoholism, Okay. Um, j- just because I I've seen people okay. who are that guy. I mean, okay. I, like I get one hundred. For me, the most powerful part of that movie is how terrifyingly accurate he is portraying uh, an okay. alcoholic at the peak of their disease. Okay. Um, it was like because this, and it's just so, and it's very clever the way it formats things because it follows the journey of alcoholism or an alcoholic in that it starts off and he's this guy and people like him and that awkward scene at the beginning where he's with Richard Lewis and he's asking for money yes, and before yes. anything happens I'm like oh, yes. shit, he's there asking for money yes no, I, that yes that I thought uh, that I thought it was realistic like I said later on when he's in Vegas and he's chugging everything I was like I don't think he would have lasted this long I just don't. You'd be surprised. I mean, I think that shows you how long he's been at it. I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right yeah, to a maybe. point. I think if you're, there's many different types of alcoholics, and um, if you're, you know, if you're like a binger, like yeah, like you certainly can pants yourself out very quickly. But if you're the kind of guy like he's, looks like he has, like he's been going at it for a long time. It's kind of reminiscent of his blood alcohol content. I mean, it's more alcohol than, than not, which is why he's getting the shakes as much as he is. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, He needs to top it up. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I remember it, volunteering one summer at, at the hospital and uh, they had an alcoholic that came out of surgery and the painkillers weren't working and Demerol wasn't working. And the nurses sent me down to the pharmacy and I literally got an IV bag of beer. Yeah. Because at that point, because that's the thing about alcoholism, it changes your blood chemistry. And that's why you can't quit cold turkey. You'll die. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just like, all right, even if you had like a hell of a will and you said, you know what? No more booze. From now on, just water. That switch will kill you. Mm-hmm. Like you have to wean off of it slowly, bit by bit. So, you know, I, I get that. But like just the sheer volume that he was doing, I was just like, I don't, wow. I've seen it. I've, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen people doing that. And it's shocking. Yeah. It's more shocking yeah. when it's real life as opposed to a movie because it's easy to be like, yeah, but it, I mean, that's, you know, it, it it's a weird, I, you know, I, I have seen it and that is, that is like that. And I've seen people, more, you know, I mean, not to go on like a dark path, but like my, I have a bunch of people in my life who have alcoholism. And as a kid, I would see people like Nicolas Cage um, one day being the most charming guy that everyone likes. It's like the, the scene in the casino when he's with Elizabeth Shue. Like, that's what it's like when you're with... It's like, they're, like, really great and fun, you're having a great time, and then before you know it, it is fucking havoc, 
Right. And like, what the fuck happened? And right. then the next day, they're just dead. Like, right. it's, right, right, it's right, right, crazy right. how quickly that change happens. But I think it's a very... I, I agree with you that some of the stylized stuff, the jazzy stuff and all that is... It, I think it it does a disservice to the reality of a lot of that because it makes it seem fairy tale-ish. It makes yes, it seem ugly yes, and I, yes, I Now that you bring it up, yes, because that was almost like... Like they were trying to romanticize it with the soft jazz music. Like yeah, a little bit. This is, all this is is a pleasant like descent into just dying slowly. But I think what, what's interesting about it is it's like, and what I thought was cool about his is that for him, this was kind of romantic jazzy shit because this has been his life. Because there's a relief, there's a release to this character that right. it's 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 only tragedy when you when you counteract it with Elizabeth Shue, who's had the opposite experience, where she's had shit, and now she's right. found someone she's found good. This is someone who has spent the last two or three years of his life, everything's fallen apart. He's lost his family, he's lost his kid, he's lost his job, everything's fallen apart because he's been drinking every day. Right. People have known, people have tried to help him, it's not working out, everything has been shit. And he's gone from secretly drinking a bottle of vodka in the bathroom of his office, right, and then like, covering up and doing that shit for the past two years to being like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to gamble. I'm going to have a motel. I'm going to have hookers and it's the neon lights and it's jazz. And for him, this is like, it, there's like a release to it. There's like, this is kind of like the romantic. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. disease. And for her, it's the opposite. So it's yeah. the juxtaposition of these two people coming in at the wrong times, like wrong yeah. The wrong place wrong time like they met at the wrong ends of the relationship and that's the real tragedy of it and i love that i love the idea that for him this is the bowing out this is truly he's bowing out on top and she is yeah like on the upturn and then it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It, i i yeah for me i really love the movie I think it's good. okay so what are we voting for then leaving las vegas or color out of space Tough when Sean makes a he makes a talks about it like that. He does make a no, I, point. <laughs> I, I actually agree with everything you said, Sean. I don't know if I liked the movie as much as you did. I had a I was like parts of me really liked it and parts of me hated it, you know, because it was such a bizarre, kind of upsetting movie in a lot of ways. Um, but there was a lot I did like about it. And I liked I like Nicolas Cage's performance. I didn't, I don't know where I land as far as your guys' opinions on whether or not it's realistic or not, but I thought he was really great. Um, I liked, the, I, I watched it, I think I watched it yesterday. This is the last one I watched before we did this, right? and I'd never seen it before. But I liked that the movie, I like, again, a like and dislike thing, that the movie, you know, there was part of me when I first started watching it thinking like, oh, is this gonna be the movie where like he's planning to go and drink himself to death, but he meets a girl and everything turns out great and blah, blah, blah. And I liked that it wasn't that movie. Right. I liked that he still did drink himself to death. Um, I didn't, you know, you don't like it while you're watching, but I mean, like as far as the movie yeah, yeah, goes. Yeah, yeah, in terms of stories, yeah. So I don't know, that's a weird one for me. I don't know where it lands for me, but I like it for a lot of reasons. and I disliked a lot of it while watching it which i guess is the point what i find interesting is the fact that you bring up the music and the thing i liked the least was the music because i didn't like bullshit sting 
and I know how much you love Sting. So I'm surprised that you put that in. I thought that was, yeah, I don't I, like I, Sting when he's doing other shit. I'm like, it's experimental Sting. I don't like it, fucking I, jazz it, album Sting. Well, I, I, honestly, Sting got his start as a jazz musician, in case you didn't know that. Um, yeah, like I said, the music kind of took me out because it kept on covering up the dialogue. Like, it was too loud. And I was just it like, was a little too loud. It was like, why am I not hearing the dialogue? So that bothered me in of itself. Like I said, I thought they were good. The, the, their performances were good. Um, I thought Nicolas Cage really portrayed like that. I really care about you. I think you're a great person to Elizabeth Shue. But it's like, I made up my mind. I'm fucking done with this world. I'm just gonna, this is, I didn't pack clothes. I packed a suitcase full of booze. I'm, I have no interest in living. So, you know, and that whole thing, like where he's trying to give her space and she's trying to give him space back, you know, and it's like this just ridiculously dysfunctional thing that's going on and they're trying to be really polite about it and handle it in a nice way. I mean, all of it was just like, like, like you said, Andrew, at the same time, it was just like, I'm glad it didn't work out for the story. But like, as it was happening, it was like, oh, come on, man, fucking snap out of it. You know, it was like, there was a little bit of that. It's like, just, just, you, you found this girl, she's great. Just fucking snap out of it. And they didn't. So um, the only thing I did, th there are a few things that make sense about it. And like, he wouldn't have held on to his money for as long as he did. That's one of the things. He'd have lost all his money the first night. Someone would have yes. robbed the fuck out of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He would have been in a ditch. Right, 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 right. For sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. He, 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 like, it was too well planned. That was the one thing I was like, alcoholics are really bad at planning. Um, yeah. It, it would not, that it was too well planned. That was yeah. the only thing I was like, mm. yeah. 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 My great aunt was an alcoholic. They found her, her cats were eating her. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> there's not a lot of planning going on there. <laughs> she, she, she became the town, like, cat lady. She had, like, 40 cats. And my aunt found her. Yeah. So, yeah, pleasant, like a, that's pleasant, like, pleasant imagery. It's like a mixture between leaving Las Vegas and Colorado space. It kind know. of was. Yeah, <laughs> it literally was. Yeah. 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 So anyway, all right. Well, you know what? I, I on my first bracket, like put color out of space first, but you did kind of talk me back to leave Las Vegas. Good. I don't. We don't need to put. It's fine. You don't need to. It's fine. I'm over my issues. No, no, I've seen no, no. A no, bunch no. of drunk no, people no. in my life. But, but, <laughs> no, 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 no. It, but you really kind of put it all together for me. And the things, the things that bother me most about it were superficial. To the story right it was the fucking music who cares but you know i was just like what, what why is this bothering me you know and, and that's just you know the the filmmaker and me going like who fucking makes this you know it's like and that's what i'm obsessing about like why wasn't this guy fired because i can't hear the dialogue you know that that's what bothered me more than anything um well you know yeah i i mean i would go leaving las vegas after showing a little dissertation andrew yeah, I um, color out of space. Like I said, I really enjoyed. I, I, you know, in hindsight, I didn't find it overly memorable. I mean, there are moments like visually that will stick with me. Um, I don't think it's by any means a perfect film, although I did enjoy it. Um, 
And I have my weird reservations or whatever you want to call it about uh, leaving Las Vegas. Like I told you, like I liked it, but I disliked it as much as I liked it. And everything. But anyways, we're sitting here and we're having this pretty interesting dialogue about leaving Las Vegas. And there's so much to talk about with this movie. Right. That alone, I think, makes a decision for me that we have this much to talk about. And there's that, right. that many interesting things to pull from it. If you have to pick the better movie. Correct. I think it is the better movie. I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Leaving Las Vegas. All right. So we have Red Rock West versus Leaving Las Vegas in the second round. Sean, you weren't going to vote for Color Out of Space? I I didn't mind. I I did not (laughs) mind that movie. I thought it was all right. I just, it was, it was, and also, what was it? Cheech or Chong was in it. One of them was in it. And that was Chong. 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 Tommy Chong. I was like, that's strange. He didn't last long. He, no, he, was, he was literally Sam Jackson in Jurassic Park. He didn't last long. No. Yeah. Okay. Was, so was... the last first, the last of the first round then is the '90s brackets, and we have Matchstick Man versus Vampire's Kiss, and Wild at Heart versus Bringing Out the Dead. So, that is so weird. Vampire's Kiss and Matchstick Men were in the '90s. I could have sworn that one was in the. No, 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 no. no. The they're, they're not. This is how the. This is the seating. They're just called. They're they're not '90s stuff. This is just how they're seated, and they're Confusing. divided. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Yeah, uh, Vampire's yeah. Kiss is '88. Yeah, Matchstick Men is 2006. Vampire's Kiss is '88. Wild at Heart is '90, and Bring It Out the Dead is 1999. So, uh, Matchstick Men. I'll I'll start us with that one. Was fantastic. I thought. I I, I think. Of all the movies here, and I know he won the Oscar for um, Leaving Las Vegas, I thought his most memorable performance is Matchstick Men. Mm. He did that monk kind of character with the ticks and everything and just like caring for this little girl and all of it. I like That's one of those where I thought he should have been at least nominated for the movie. I don't think it got nominated for anything. I mean, it was Spike Jones, right? Directed that one? Ridley Scott. Oh, Ridley Scott. Which one was? Oh no, Spike Jones was the adaptation. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought it was great. Now the story itself. Three minutes into it, I was like, okay, I know. You know, I've seen so many of these like grifter movies. Like, okay, I know what's happening here. Sam Rockwell is playing him. Like the minute he said, "You," sh-, the minute he said, "You should see a therapist." I know a good therapist. I was like, okay, game over. He's he's the target. He doesn't realize it. Nonetheless, I really enjoyed the story. I thought it was well done. I thought his acting was superb in it. I thought the girl that acted his daughter was superb in it. Um, the only thing I was missing there was a little more Sam Rockwell because I just think Sam Rockwell is just fantastic. Uh, other than that, I thought the movie was great. Vampire's Kiss, this, I I enjoy this movie. It's it's a dark so comedy. Weird. It's it's really weird, but this movie was like the genesis of his weirdo characters. Like completely. Like the scene where he jumps up on a desk and he's like, oh, I'm talking to you. Like all of that was just like, this is fantastic. Like if from an acting perspective, it's like, I don't know if that was his choice or whatever, but he's just really great. Except for that weird like Philadelphia accent. 
He's like, oh, I don't know if you do like that. I'm like, aren't you from New Orleans? Why do you sound like you say hoagie? It, it was driving me crazy because he did it in several movies. He did it in that one. He, had he did it in Color Out of Space. Yeah, he did it in Color Out of Space, absolutely. He almost sounded like, well, in Color Out of Space, he did it when he was like being possessed by crazy. the thing. Yes, yes, yes. It yes, almost yes. sounded like he was doing like a Trump accent, though. Was the, I, like, think it was uh, a I think uh, he was uh, doing a yuppie voice. That's what, and I watched, I watched that with Gabby. Well, both yes. of them, but and and when we watched Color Out of Space, which we watched first, she was like, it "Sounds like he's doing Trump." And then when we watched Vampire's Kiss, he was doing the same sort of voice. And she said it probably is supposed to be because he's like this rich city douchebag. Which right. when this movie came out, Donald yeah. Trump was that guy. It was long before he was yes, president yes, and everything yes. else. But I, I mean, I thought his descent into like madness was actually really good. Oh yeah, especially the scene yeah. like towards the end of the movie where he's on the sidewalk. And he thinks he's talking to the therapist, but he's fucking talking to like a fence yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was brilliant. And I was just... it was it was the most New York City movie I'd ever seen. Yes. I'm like, yes, this yes. explains half the people in Port Authority. Yes, absolutely. All those guys. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This movie was so And all the people just walking past being like, Yeah, whatever. Yeah, all right, yeah. Crazy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. This movie. Like I always tell people, so if you've never seen Vampire's Kiss with Nicolas Cage, you should really watch it because it was just Maria Conchita Alonso's in it. You know, the big freaking 80s, uh, uh, his therapist, she was so just like stereotypical, like the oversex therapist, you know. I, I mean, all of it was just stupid. And then like all the ladies in the secretary pool and then the brother at the end. And he's like, <laughs> when he's trying to eat the pigeon with a freaking fake, uh, Halloween store vampire teeth. I mean, all of it is just like so just bizarre. And then he like walled the girl in the club and you're like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I mean, this movie is really like if people, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a movie that gave him like 30 roles. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because everyone's like, did you see Vampire's Kiss? This guy's fantastic. You gotta watch this guy's Descent into Me. In terms of like all these movies where like they go into madness, this is like Shakespearean level. Like I was just like, this is really good. You know, talking to the guy and being, and then one minute being like all over her case and then apologizing the next, trying to like bring himself back and rein himself in and just losing his mind. I, I, I enjoyed, and, and all that being said, I love Vampire's Kiss. I still think Matchstick Men was a better performance and a better movie. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that like Vampire's Kiss just feels so dated because it was a low budget movie. You know, it obviously wasn't like a big budget thing. It was like an indie, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, that, that, that's my take on those two. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. I, I just, about Vampire's Kiss, I thought it was cool though. Just one thing to add in. It, at least for me, and maybe I was an idiot going into it, but, at, you know, the early parts of the movie, you're thinking like, oh, they're doing like a modern day Dracula, you think. And then you get about halfway through and you're like, at least for me, right? I'm like, wait a minute. No, he's just fucking crazy, right? And then by close to the end of the movie, before they really reveal it, you know, you're like, no, he's just off his fucking rocker. And he's then it finally, the end of the movie, it gets to the point where you realize you see him talking to the street pole and this and that. And so I thought from like, I don't know, the, the structure of the movie or the way everything played out was really interesting. The way it went from like, is this like a modern day vampire movie, which it kind of was, but then it's also just, it's actually, he's, this guy's just nuts. 
Um, and, 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 and can I just point out, because I forgot, Jennifer Beals, like, you know, her role's technically a cameo, but she's fantastic. Yeah. What is she doing it, though? I remember thinking, like, this is, like, four or five years after Footloose. Yeah, like, uh, uh, Flashdance. She... Flashdance, sorry. I'm like, why, how is she in this? Like, it's so well, odd that she's in it. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? She probably got the script, but you could see that she was not doing that 80s topless thing because there's the scene where she has a shirt off. But if you see, you can see the pasty covering her boobs. <laughs> and, you know, she probably had enough pull then that she was just like, yeah, I'm not fucking, I'm not showing nipples. We're not doing that shit. But like I said, she was, what, 10 minutes in the movie, maybe, you know, if that, total. She's yeah, probably. fantastic as the quote-unquote vampire. Yeah. I kept thinking that in an alternate universe, a different kind of COVID, the movie we would have got from our very own double A, Andrew, and his fiance could perhaps have been this movie instead yes! of his movie. Totally. I was thinking the scene where he's shouting at the secretary and jumping on the table. I was like, him and Gab could do this scene so well. I could see them <laughs> being like the scared Latino, like kind of like, no, please. And be like, oh, you're gonna fucking find that file. You're gonna find that file. Where's the file? <laughs> That's, I thought, oh, that'd be really good. That's a really good duologue it's, scene. It is. Yeah. Okay, Andrew, you know what you need to do now, man. That's the next short Give film. It a try. Recreate Give it. Try. Absolutely. So, like I said, <laughs> that being said, I'm picking Mastic Men over Vampire's Kiss. Which I'm feeling almost yeah. bad about because I think, like I said, I think Vampire's Kiss was the genesis of all Nick Cage crazy. Yeah. I feel bad. I, I agree. I th- objectionably, Matched Men is a better movie as far as if you share it to 100 different people. Right. It's the movie that more people are going to like. Um, right. For me personally, I prefer Vampire's Kiss. And that's just because I knew where Matched Men was going. Because yes. I've I, I hadn't seen it before, but I've seen enough movies before and since. I, I haven't seen exactly before either. Yes, yes. Every like, step minute, I knew what was going to happen. Yes, which the minute, me, the minute I, was his face said. The only time I I thought it might not be the case was when they got away with the money and the car accident and the screw up, and I was like, yeah. oh, maybe it's not. Like that was the only time when I thought that maybe uh, Sam Rockwell's character was on the up and up. Yeah, and then I was just like, and then when it happened, I was like, ah, yeah, it's okay, yeah, because like the, the the therapist was too like spot on with his like analysis, you know. I was just like, mm, this guy's a mark, you know. It, it was a little, too, uh, yeah. For those reasons, I didn't. Whereas Vampire's Kiss surprised me. Every okay. time I thought I knew what was happening, it wasn't. It did something different. Like right. it didn't. I was like, oh, I know. I, I personally really enjoyed Vampire's Kiss. I, like, I did too. I, I like I said, it was it's it's one of my favorite Nick Cage movies actually. Oh, me too. I love that movie. I it's one. If there is a movie, you know, there's a few like The Room or something. If there's a movie that I will keep in the back of my head for like if ever I have to show people yes. or like if I'm getting drunk or like high and I'm like, what's a great movie to put on to like make people react? Yeah, like that. That's one of those movies that you can yes. stick on and people will be like, wait, what? Like, what the fuck is happening now? It's just so weird. And it's also, again, it's a great time capture movie. It's so of the time, yes. the, like 80s, like yes. the club, the women, like it's so, and what he's doing, the whole yuppie thing is, it's so ridiculous. Well, I mean, the thing was, Andy and I rented it at Blockbuster because we were looking for a comedy and it was in the comedy section. And we watched it, we were like, 
this is really fucking weird comedy, you know? And I remember seeing it and just being weirded out by this movie, but thinking at the same time, like, this is a good movie. So when I went to watch it again, I was just like, I wonder if it's going to be shit. And I just, I don't know, just kind of misinterpreted or whatever. But then I watched it again. And I'm like, this is fantastic. This is quite impressive in this way as well. Like the way you had like the, but there was a bit where there's a meeting with all like the partners or whatever of the firm. And they were talking about the women. And I'm like, in the 80s, do you be doing this in film? And it's like, you're obviously as a director, you're like, look at these fucking douchebags. Yeah, like it was it was it was kind of cool that kind of like he would could scream his secretary in front of everyone yeah. and jump on the yeah. desk and like make her do something and they're all like they're like ha, 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 like you got her good like what are these <laughs> fucking women doing like I, I I was like oh wow yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so Andrew which one which one would you pick I'd have to go with Matchstick Men um I I enjoyed both of them like we talked about, but, you know, I had my reservations with Vampire's Kiss and Magic Men. I was pleasantly surprised that I hadn't seen it before either. Um, And I just really enjoyed it all the way through. You know, I really liked Nicolas Cage in it. I liked him and uh, the girl, the actress name is escaping me, but I liked them together and that dynamic. And then the, I didn't see the twist coming maybe because I was just not really paying that much attention. I think I just kind of put it on and was, not really thinking that much about it, which in hindsight, it's like, yeah, it was a pretty easy twist to see coming, but I didn't. So I was like, oh, when the twist came, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I liked I, it. I thought the bloody scene in the bedroom with all of that, I was, that's when I was like, oh, maybe, maybe, because I kind of went back and forth and I was like, oh, shit, maybe it's not. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, like, 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 like Sean said, uh, yeah. Objectively, Matchstick Men is a better movie, right? And it's it's a shame to me because I think these two movies are his two best performances in this entire list. Mm. You know, I thought uh, character work wise, you know, maybe adaptation. I throw that in there, but yeah. but uh, Vampire's Kiss and Matchstick Men both are just like phenomenal, just character work. I think so. All right, so Matchstick Men. We agree that one goes on? Yeah. Okay. Okay, and the last two are literally the two worst movies, I think. Um, Wild at Heart and Bringing Out the Dead. This is another one I disagree with you on. Okay. I mean, Wild at Heart, like? I'll put it out that Wild at Heart, I watched years ago, and it was the one I had. I wasn't able to seek out. So okay. I didn't watch it. But um, Bringing Out the Dead, I really liked. I liked the movie. I didn't. Yeah, I had trouble with bringing out the dead. Um, I, did. I didn't. I, I, thought... I didn't dislike. Like, I didn't hate it, but it was very okay for me. I, I to me it was to me it was one of the puzzling movies, like the Bad Lieutenant, like because it's Martin Scorsese, and all I could come up with is that the adaptation of the book, that novel that it was based on, was that was just done real shitty. Because I thought all of the characters, except for Ving Rhames were just so milk toast. I was just like, it, yeah, it just, it kind of drags and like nothing really happened. Like the, I don't feel like there was much of an arc in the story. Like it was no. like the same thing dragged yeah. out, like Nicolas Cage seeing ghosts and like repeated and like being yes. tired because yeah. he was still doing it. I don't know. It, it just, it, it didn't quite have a, and you know, there were just moments that kind of went nowhere. Like the, 
the girl that had the baby and the boyfriend was like, no, we're virgins. That didn't really, I mean, it, it had like the thing where one baby lived, one died, right? It's, but it, it just didn't, it didn't seem like it really went anywhere, which I guess maybe that was the point of the movie. Was it like being this ambulance driver? It's the same thing every day over and over. But as a movie, I just, it left me that, very pretty cold. Yeah. That was a Scorsese Catholic thing, I think. Scorsese has a weird thing. One of the yeah. things I don't like about Scorsese is he battles with his Catholicism in all his movies. Like he's a troubled Catholic and he yeah. goes, at different points in his career, you can see different points where he's either feels like he's doubting God or he's like all about God. Right. Um, and this is one of those. And that whole shtick there of like, oh, the virgin birth, the couple that have traveled this far is very Mary and Joseph, very like, yeah. it was like, he's trying to make a great point about something. Um, I, I, I felt what you're explaining about how the whole thing felt long and dragged on and it was all the same and everyone was milk toast and it was one long. I felt that was on purpose. I think Scorsese was doing that because he was trying to simulate the feeling of being on one big long night that feels like every night going into the next when you're Nick Cage, like that, that drive is just, everything is just melding into each other. Um, and I'd like to, because it felt like, it kind of felt like an extension of Taxi Driver in a way, because I felt like it was this chance to be like, I really want to delve into the idea of those people who were just in the background of New York City, who were just trundling along and just kind of like a caught, just eaten up by the monster, the machine of New York. Right. Mm. And they're just, what's left in the end like they just churned up yeah but you know it, uh, i mean if that happens to one character is one thing when it's happening to all of them it's just like okay why is this why why am i any more interested in what happens to john goodman's character than what happens to nick cage's character or patricia arquette arquette for that matter she was so milk toast it was just like oh god are you guys gonna like fuck at least or what's happening right now you know nothing was there was nothing happening everything was so if the whole movie like i said with the exception of ving rames's character his character was the most compelling one to me and i was like why don't we have another 20 minutes of him because he's like you know i want to bang the uh, was it queen latifah's voice or i, I think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. voice uh, 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 he was like why don't we see him trying to like bang her you know, whatever, and do his preaching and whatever, and maybe get a little bit, I don't know, bring Moses to the Mount or something that way. But Nicolas Cage and Patricia Arquette, like nothing was happening. It was almost like you were in too polite company for anything to happen. Mm. And and it was so, it was such a hard watch for me. And I was like, how is this a score? Like I said, like all of these like big directors, I was like, how are these movies just like unwatchable? I don't, maybe I'm just not reading into the story correctly or whatever, but I, 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 like I said, I attributed it to the adaptation of the book was just bad. Jennifer Lopez's baby daddy was in it. That was, which I did. Yeah, yeah, Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony. Correct, correct. Yes, yeah, yeah. He, he was, was a crazy he guy. Kept, I think his character was, I liked actually, his character. His character was one of the more interesting characters in the movie. When he was there, I was just like, okay, what's going to happen with this dude? I was interested. I loved how crazy he was. And again, it's the same thing as Vampire's Kiss. As, as a, someone coming from outside in, I'm fascinated by New York City and the people that fall through the cracks. Um, or I should say the, they don't fall through the cracks. Like they, they, It's like they... It feels like they should They're fall through the cracks. They're the cracks. But yeah, they get held by the fucking colander of New York City. 
they're just held in that little hole. Like you're trying to wash them down like with a fucking sink, like, and they're just hanging. And you're like, when the fuck are they going to fall? Like how long are these people, how long is that one random guy I've seen in the last two years going to hang on by that 7-Eleven door holding the fucking door open before he's not there anymore? Like how are they, how is this tenable? Like how can mm-hmm. people not manage to work in a fucking middle-class job in New York City for more than six months before they have to go home to Indiana? Yet this fucking dude is doing this for like five years. Like, how does it happen? Yeah. And I find that stuff so fascinating. And I think this movie was a lot like that with Vampire's Kiss. Like a lot of those characters, Mark Antony's character, and just. But even like the EMTs, I thought it was good because it's it's a role that you look at as a hero, like heroic characters, but. They're just like, what's his name? Um, Tom Sizemore. His name, yeah, Tom Sizemore. That guy. He I'm was. Like, I believe he was that. Good, I believe like, that these dudes. <laughs> no, no, you're right, and he was realistic that way. Because I've in the city met douchebags like that. They'll be like, "It's a fucking homeless guy. Let's just take a golf club to his head." You know that kind of thing. Yeah, and you're just like you're psychotic, bro. And I appreciated him in the movie but it was just like let's explore that they kind of glossed over their whole relationship yeah why are they riding together i think why the point is in this the relationship van? only exists in the van i think that's what was so interesting is like the relationships never go beyond the van like that it's it's so insular like his whole life is just in the ambulance and that's the uh, everybody ex- it exists just within the ambulance and that's the I mean, only stability he has is when they're in the ambulance. And the second he gets out, it's fucking like mania. And this is an interesting concept. The movie in itself is interesting because it was like, it was like every movie you've seen before of like the cops in the car and they're patrolling, but it was turned on its head a little bit because it was the EMTs, yeah. you know? Um, so there was a, you know, it was a, definitely an interesting concept. And I see everything you're saying, Sean, about like the, you know, the people that, could fall through the cracks in New York. And Martin Scorsese's made so many movies about New York, sort of see one like this, but it's not the gangsters or the police or the whatever it might be, like right. all the, you know, it's someone kind of, I don't know, more on the, the B list, if you will, of right. whatever. It was really interesting, but I don't know. I, I still had a little bit of a tough time with it. I know, no, it was, it was definitely a slog to get through. It was definitely a slog for me to get through it. And I mean, I've worked third shift jobs for years and I've worked in, in a hospital, like in the hospital lab. And I've worked in like a big, you know, uh, what's now Quest Diagnostics. I've worked those jobs. So you get these samples come in all the time for, you know, 14 year old swallowing a bottle of freaking Tylenol, shit like that, you know, or <laughs> there'd be some guy come in and I'd literally like test the blood and the urine and all that. And it's positive for like cocaine and marijuana and opiates. And, you know, it's just like this dude was really fucking partying tonight. And so you you just kind of slog through it and it's two in the morning and you're doing all this testing and all this shit. So I kind of got that aspect of it. And I think maybe that's why, like, the hospital scenes in particular, I, was, I wasn't too turned on by it. Or, or or interested in it, you know, because it was just like, okay, there's more interesting stories with this as opposed to just like somebody had a heart attack and we don't know if he's going to live. Because I had a guy in, in the hospital, when I worked in the hospital lab, he came in 
um, and I saw his alcohol levels. And he had alcohol, methanol, uh, isopropyl, and acetone in his blood. And I was like, and the highest one was methanol. And people were like, you know, the nurses, and I was like fresh out of college, you know, with my bio degree or whatever. They're like, uh, we don't know what's going on. I'm like, uh, his kidneys are going to fail and he's going to be blind in about a half an hour. And the phlebotomist was just going back and forth. And she was like, his kidneys just went into failure. I was like, yeah, this is like classic, like, like I remember that from my textbook, you know? And a half an hour later, the guy went blind. And it was just like, okay, I don't know if he survived or what, because by the time my shift was over, I was gone. But you know, that guy didn't survive. No, <laughs> definitely not. Because <laughs> he drank methyl alcohol somehow, wood alcohol. He drank it. You know, he, yeah. you know, speaking of alcoholics, he just went full, you know, blast and he probably didn't survive. But so, like, I, I felt all of that was kind of almost just like glossed over. And it was this, like, he tried to pull the focus on this relationship between Nick Cage and, and Patricia Arquette. But it didn't like it was all very. It felt like they're all like stoned and just talking and nothing was happening. I felt like he did it on purpose, though. I agree with you. Like that was interesting in hospital and all the stuff that was going on. But because the perspective of the character is someone who it's a very small amount of his night is he comes into this cool, exciting realm of the hospital and all this crazy shit happening, all these doctors and these patients, and it's just a very small part of his shift. He's like, he's in, he's out. Like, oh, this is interesting. I'm out because actually, the reality of his daily existence is just sitting in the car waiting for something to happen, and that's all he experiences. Yes, so the the crux of the thing that was the most interesting to him was the relief of being around boring Patricia Arquette, stumbling around boring shit because his whole life is just nothing, nothing, nothing crazy, crazy, really exciting, nothing, 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 nothing crazy, crazy, really exciting. So then, when it's just something that's consistent. Even though it's boring, it's like, oh, this is different. Like, I, 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 I mean, I, I get, I get all, of that, but I still don't see because it's kind of like, well, then he's kind of arguing against his point, right? Because he's used to all of this stuff happening, but this little girl is haunting him, and he can't well, sleep. He never gets the closure, and that's the interesting thing: is the doctors in that crazy world of the A and E, as as terrible things that they see. At the end of the day, eventually, even if it takes a day or two or a week, eventually they see something that makes it worth it. They see someone pull through. They see sure. a kid who isn't going to make it, make it. And sure. it makes it worth them continuing on for an extra yes. bit. And that's yes. the thing he never sees. He only ever sees them at the worst. He sees them dropping off and that's it. Whereas Patricia Arquette, because... You know, he sees all the people dying. That, that one time he saw that girl and that was the ghost he kept seeing, Patricia Arquette was like the personification of someone he gets to follow through their story. It's like, oh, her father, like, I get to see something. Like, I get to, that for once I get a follow through yeah. on something that I never I, get I, to I, see. I mean, I, I get it. I understand your point. I, <laughs> still, it was just like zero. It, it, it just didn't pull my interest. I wasn't that fascinated by it. I really wasn't. It was a slog for me. It really was. <laughs> It's so weird. I don't know what it is about Nick Cage. I just like everything that's inaccessible. I like the most. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are we? Well, Wild at Heart. Neither of you guys saw it. No. Nope. Tell us about it, Tomo. Yes. This is a David Lynch movie with, um, oh, what's her name? Laura Dern, her mother, 
her mother's in the movie. I forget her mother's name. She plays her mother in the movie. Who else is in it? Um, oh, famous character actor. I forget his name. He died recently. He had a great movie right before he died. He was the he was the security guard in the building in Avengers when Mark Ruffalo wakes up like in rubble. He says, are you an alien? No, I'm not an alien. Well, son, you've got a condition. That actor. He played... Picture him, yeah. He was in Escape from New York, famously. Uh, he was brain in Escape from New York. Um, his David Lynch movie is just weird. The, it, it is. It's almost like... <laughs> If you told teenage auteurs to make a movie and they were trying to, it's, it's like, it's like a, a American Pie and who's Shitbrick, what was the character's name? I forget that it was always drinking coffee, you know, because uh, he didn't want to drink soda like the other fucking normal kids. So he always had like a, 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 a thing full of coffee and he ended up sleeping yeah. with Stifler's mom. It was if you gave that kid a movie, he said, go make a movie. And he's super pretentious and walks around in a fucking kimono and all that. That's what Wild at Heart was like. It was, and it was also adapted from a novel. And I was just like, what the, f this is so just, it's Nick Cage, kills a dude, goes to jail. The girl that he loves, he comes out and there's a lot of sex scenes with him and Laura Dern. And she's showing a lot of flesh in the movie. And the mother hires a guy to kill Nick Cage and uh, 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 Willem Smith. Uh, no, uh, not Smith. Uh, Willem Dafoe is in the movie playing an assassin. Willem Smith? <laughs> What's that, Willem Dafoe and Will Smith? Yeah, together? I, I guess, yeah. I, I, this is how uninteresting this movie was. I, I can't even keep this straight. And I love Willem <laughs> Dafoe. He's brilliant. This movie was so bizarre. And at the end of the movie, Nick Cage, he gets he gets released out of prison after six years. He finds Laura Dern. They had a daughter while he was in prison. And he basically tells her, I can't be with you because you need a better man. And she's so in love with him that she's just like crying, kind of like, no. And there's a lot of just like standing orgasms for some reason. Willem Dafoe just talked to her and she had an orgasm because she's just like that bad She's just like wicked and heart wild at heart, I guess. That's the whole point of the fucking movie. And uh, Nicolas Cage is walking and there's a bunch of street toughs that come across him. And they say something to him and he basically calls them a bunch of faggots. Like, what do you want? And they like knock his ass out. And while he's out, he gets all these visions. And then this is the end of the movie. And he comes to and he says, gentlemen, I would like to apologize for calling you homosexuals. You helped me see the error of my ways. And he goes back to Laura Dern, who's stuck in traffic. It's just the fucking stupidest movie. And I'm just like, what the fuck? This was literally... So I'll pick Bringing Out the Dead over Wild at Heart, for sure. Even though that was a tough slog. But Wild at Heart was... Like Sean said, you really need to be on some kind of chemical and not alcohol to watch this movie. I and then you'll be like... David Lynch movies. I, yeah. I mean, Twin Peaks. Um, Twin Peaks is, I think, the most accessible of his movies. Right. Mulholland Drive. I remember watching when it came out, and there are elements of it I liked because it scared me. 
which is interesting. Anything that scares me is interesting. It's still weird. The, the only movie David Lynch has ever made that I think is accessible or decent is Elephant Man. And that's like 1980. So that's like... Oh, sorry. Man. I'm still stuck on, the, on the, anything that scares you is interesting to me. And I'm thinking to myself, God, I hope you don't get arrested and thrown in jail because it'll be like a big dick in your face. And you're like, this is scary, <laughs> but interesting. I really want to know what's going on. <laughs> I don't like it. But it's scaring me. So there is some value to this. <laughs> I just want to feel something, Tyrone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Here's a promo right there. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, I, okay. So that, that then is the first round. We have. Um, National Treasure versus Pig. We have Red Rock West versus Leaving Las Vegas. Matchstick Men versus Bringing Out the Dead. And Adaptation versus Joe. Oof. Some good so, ones. do we try and finish this off real quick since we've talked about all these movies? Or do we save this for another episode? I'm good. I'm, you guys, I'm happy to be yeah. going. All right. All right. You know what? Let's finish this off. Let's finish this off. Let's Just, do it. It's a quick one. Okay. So let's go. The National Treasure versus Pig. Oh, that is a tough one. Is it? I liked Pig. I like Pig too, but is it a tough one? As an adult, it is. Hey, I watched National Treasure as an adult for the first time. <laughs> yes, so did I. No, it's not that tough. It's really not that tough. I would say National Treasure wins that one. Sean? Yeah, yeah. National Treasure wins it. Um, definitely. Okay. The only thing I feel about National Treasure, which I think is funny, is, again, like, American history seems so short compared to European history. Sure. And as a companion piece to Da Vinci Code, which is like, you know, we're talking about 100 years ago, nice Templar shit. And then when they're talking about, like, in National Treasure, I keep expecting because it's Hollywood and it's Disney, it's ridiculous. I keep expecting that it's not entirely unplausible that at one point we're going to get a scene and it's like Andrew Jackson's son is just going to be there and he's like, "My father, my father was a secret mason," and it'll be like that Last Crusade scene with the old knight, but it's just a dude who's like 110 and his dad was Andrew Jackson, nice. and I'm like, yeah. It could work. Like, this, <laughs> it's actually like all these things. Because in Indiana Jones, it's so fantastical the idea that they would find these artifacts. But, like, in this one, I'm like, no, I guess it's plausible you could find Benjamin Franklin's glasses in a brick in Philadelphia. Like, they'd probably it is just plausible. still be there. <laughs> hey, when, when we were doing demo on the house, I found poor magazines in the wall. And did it lead you to a treasure? Well, one treasure. <laughs> And this was hilarious. This was hilarious. It was a topless girl. She didn't have very big boobs. And it was she was supposed to be Asian. And it was a black and white. She was supposed to be? She was supposed to be. Listen, she was supposed to be Asian because she had a little Asian umbrella and a, and a little mini skirt on. And she was topless. And a black wig that came down with like short bangs. And it said Jade on it. But even though it was a black and white photo, you could very obviously see she has blue eyes. Because she had very light colored eyes and she's standing there like all coquettishly. And I'm like, 
So some dude here is like in 1928 just beaten off in this corner of my house fucking to this magazine. Like, I, I have the stuff somewhere. I saved it. It's hilarious. So anyway, so yes, treasures. Yes, you can find all kinds of treasures. Okay. All right. So the next one, we have Red Rock West versus uh, Leaving Las Vegas. I think I know which way this one's going. That's all you guys. I didn't see Red Rock West. I mean... I, I, yeah, I'd I mean, say leaving Las Vegas over Red Rock West. Yeah. I, I would it, say that. It's more adventurous. I mean, it's trying to do something a little bit more individual. Red Rock West is not a bad movie. I don't think it is. I just think it's, for the worst of its faults, it's derivative. Yeah. It's highly original. Um, okay. On the other side, we have Adaptation versus Joe. This is a tough one. Oof. This is a tough one. This is a tough but one. But my vote's going to be Joe. Like I told you guys, I think Joe is my favorite of all of these movies on here. And I really, Adaptation is, would you know what? I, I, I front think runner I'm up leading, there. I, I think I'm leading in your direction. I think I'd pick Joe over Adaptation. I'm a sucker for the Americana, coming of age type of movie. Blue collar, hard work. You know what I mean? Okay. And Adaptation is, as much as I liked it, a touch pretentious because it's so meta. And there's nothing, there's nothing pretentious about Joe. Yes, right. So, any, any input on that? Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think um, I definitely, the only thing I don't like about Joe, which is not the film's fault, but I don't like that potentially it set up the precedent for pretentious directors, even if the movie's not pretentious, right. casting just fucking non-actors. Brandos. Because it yeah, does yeah. piss me off a little bit. Because sure. it's like, it's really lazy and kind of yes. irresponsible you did that because you yes. kind of fucking maybe killed that guy. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it enabling behavior. Up. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, because yeah, like, he got what? a paycheck and he fucking went right to the, like, cracking hookers. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Exactly. And yeah. it's like, and, and now his obituary for the rest of time, like, if you Google him, it's like, it's glory point. Of he was this, I know, yeah, actor, and he hit this glory point. He did this movie, and then it was such a tragedy he died out. And you're like, you're you're undercutting everything else he did in his entire fucking life. Yeah, but yeah. we don't know anything about because you just met him on the fucking street. His family, his friends, everything he ever did is like, oh, forget about that. I mean, he was in this one movie where yeah, he was yeah, playing yeah, a fucking yeah. loser homeless guy. Like it's a little, yeah, I don't, disingenuous. I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Nomadland, I felt the same about. I was like, yeah. I get what you're trying to say, but it's weirdly bullshit that you're yeah. like filming in an Amazon fulfillment center and actually have actors who work in Amazon fulfillment centers, but they're never going to go and work in an Amazon fulfillment center again because they're going to be, you know, they're walking the fucking Oscars carpet with Francis McDormand arm in arm being like, I'm just working in an Amazon factory. Now I'm yeah. in a movie. It's like, it's just kind of bullshit. Cause it's like, what are you trying to do? Like, Either you're an actor, and that's a hard thing. You're an artist, and we should all like you're not. I don't like the blurring of lines, and it pisses me off that directors get too much credit for shit a lot of the yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it's hard being an actor, it's hard being a writer, it's hard yeah. being a producer. A lot of the times, being a director is the easiest fucking thing. If everything else lines up, you're all right. But these fucking pretentious bullshit, they're like, well, I mean, these real people. We've talked about this before because technically, with the directing, it's like, when they win the awards, right? Like for Oscars or whatever. Well, was it the director or was it just the actors and the editor? 
Yeah, the editor. Put together. Yeah. Like, like Joker's a good example. Like Todd Phillips. Is Todd Phillips a good director? There's no way he's a good director. Come on. But like... He's watched a bunch of good movies and he's got Wacky Phoenix in a really cool character in a great IP. Like, yeah, there's just okay. a lot of these things that fall. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. Okay, so, so, uh, are you picking out a no, yeah, Joe? I am. No, 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 I am at, I will pick Joe, and that's just because I think the movie has more heart. Um, and, and, Regardless of how I felt about it the second time around, I fucking hated adaptation the first time around. Whereas I don't think anyone could hate Joe. Right. First time around. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then we have Matchstick Men versus Bringing Out of the Dead. I think this is an easy pick. Matchstick Men. Matchstick Men. Yeah. Ridley okay. Scott beats Martin Scorsese. Okay. So so then we have National Treasure. They're very versus- similar in, in the hit and misses. I think. Martin Scorsese and, and Ridley Scott are very similar as far as like the highs are high and the lows are low. Like, right? Yeah. So, so we have National Treasure versus Leaving Las Vegas. I think this is actually easy for me. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed National Treasure a lot. I see yeah. enough. I mean, I appreciate Leaving Las Vegas for what it did. Yes. But- from National Treasure was way more entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I could put yeah, National really Treasure on and sit back and watch it and enjoy over it. Over and over again. Absolutely. You can't do that. It's like, a, it's like an Indiana Jones movie. It's on. Yeah. It's on. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. And then we have Joe versus. Maybe his worst haircut. I was, I've wanted to mention that a few times. <laughs> Nicholas Cage's hair, it goes on a real journey throughout these movies. It does. Um, it really does. You forget how young he was when he lost his hair. Yeah. And that he must have been one of the earliest stars to have like hair transplants and shit. Yeah, because <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like, wait a second, it's the mid '90s and he's his hair is back here. <laughs> and yeah. then like you flip forwards to like the mid 2000s and Matchstick Men, and he's got hair again. You're like, wait a second, wait a second, yeah, yeah. And then uh, on the right brackets we have Matchstick Men versus Joe. Joe's gonna take it from me, boys. It is a tough one because they're both good movies, but this is a tough one because his portrayal was good in both of these. More understated in Joe, yeah, a little more fuss and a little more to do in in, in Matchstick Men because of it. And, and, and you know what? I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. That's why I would pick Matchstick Men. I think it was just a tougher performance to perform in in Matchstick Men than it was in Joe. See, I'm a sucker for the understated no, performances, and I sometimes I, I get that it. Better. No, no, I get it, but but still, it's like his arc in that, just as a as a person, the character's arc as a person. Because in the end, when he meets the girl and she's buying a rug with a boyfriend, and you think like, oh, he's gonna fuck her up, and you basically see like, no, she kind of touched his heart, and he's just he's still pissed. But he's like, how you doing? You looking after yourself? You know, kind of like he still has that fatherly feeling towards her. I, I, I thought, I thought that was, I thought that puts it just slightly above Joe for me. Right. Joe, you, you're the deciding vote. Um, I, I'm going to go with Joe okay. because I think it, it, it was deeper. I think there was more going on. I think Matching Men was. Um, and it, I think it was a 
it was a you know it was a con it was a heist movie it was, yeah, not a, heist yeah, movie. It was yeah. a con movie like the whole thing and there are some great people in it like sam rockwell elevated it to a point that if it was like you know what's his name like i'm trying to think of someone who would like if it was like um freddie prince jr playing that role <laughs> like it would have you know, it would have been Scooby you know, Doo. What the fuck are we talking <laughs> about? <here? laughs> I'm trying to think who was who would have who, who maybe could have been in that casting room in like 2005. Like maybe. Pretty, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, All right. So, so no idea. Joe is the underdog. Joe made it into the finals. I just so keep thinking about that movie. Like, there's a lot going on, and there is yeah, a lot going on. Characters and. I love how much you don't know and you don't see. It sets up a bunch yes. of things that it never bothers to go into. Like that scene with the police chief where he's like in his kitchen and he's basically like, the chief is basically like... His friend, Joe, come on. Dude, yeah. like, come on, dude. And like yeah. this shit he goes through with the other fucking cop and like fucking punches him out and he's like, the shit he gets away with, you're like, I'm fascinated to know more about this guy i want to know more about the story why does everyone respect him so much yeah yeah and it never like, it never gives into it it's like no eh, how about the the guys on the job site like yeah. early on in the movie when ty sheridan first comes the one guy's talking to him he's like yeah joe's a pretty good guy i've known him for a few they don't go into too much but just that no. or like not to go into i mean spoilers here spoiler alert if anyone hasn't realized we're going into that the end of the movie when joe's gone I love, I love the end of that movie where it's Ty Sheridan getting another job and somebody, yeah. I forget exactly what it is, but he's like, oh, you knew Joe? Trees. They're working trees. Right? He's yeah, like, oh, yeah, you knew yeah, Joe? Yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, Joe's a good man, at least as far as I ever knew. Yeah. Or something like that. And he's just yeah, like, Joe's Joe, Joe, respected. Yeah, Joe like, yeah. if Joe liked you, then you'll do just fine here, kid, or whatever he says to him. It's just yeah. like, yeah, 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 it was just a perfect ending to that movie, too. Okay, so now now comes the big pick, the indie darling or the mega smash hit. Are we to the final two? National Treasure versus Joe. Oh damn! It's crazy that this is how this has ended up. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> the number really one versus the number fifteen. Our list is so fucked up because I can name you five Nicolas Cage movies that I prefer and are better than any of these. They weren't in our pick. To begin with, you know, whatever, whatever. I but, picked. Yeah. I picked the highest grocers per decade. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What's what's if we were to go around? If anyone was to pick another Nick Cage movie that isn't in our list, that The Rock would be up there. I would say. Mm-hmm. But then again, like I, this is one of the reasons why I was kind of like, is it a Nicolas Cage movie or is it a Sean Connery movie? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's a co-star. Sean Connery's the co-star. I mean, he's the supporting actor in that. Is he though? Yes, definitely. No, that's a cage movie. That's like saying Short Round is the co-star in, in Temple of Doom. No, he's the lead, <laughs> and he was magnificent in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. If you guys haven't seen it. Now I have to see no. that. I heard, only oh, heard amazing things. Such a good movie. Such I a good movie. From everybody. I don't want to, well, I am building it up. I don't want to build it up for you too much, but I, I thought it was brilliant. It's been pretty hyped up, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My expectations are high. Um, national treasure. What, what more can we say? It's a national treasure. It is. It, you know what? But. 
we'll, we'll, but you know what? I'll bring it back to what you said earlier, Andrew. If National Treasure's on and Joe is on, I'm probably stopping at a National Treasure to watch. I'm going to watch Joe. Really? If you're like vacuuming, you're going to have Joe in the background instead of National Treasure. No, if I'm if I'm vacuuming, I'll put National Treasure on because it's not as good of a movie, and I don't need to sit down and watch it. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna buy your argument here. Yeah, if I need background noise, National Treasure is a perfect movie. But if I want to sit down and enjoy a great film, I'm gonna watch Joe. I don't I don't know if Joe's that strong for me. Stronger than National Treasure for me, for sure. Okay. Okay. I said early on that that was probably my favorite of all of these. So okay, I I, I, w- I would go with National Treasure for this. Dun, I mean, dun. This, this is literally like uh, it's a wonderful life, right? The argument it's like it's kind of bullshit that it's even in the competition, but it's National Treasure. And I seem to remember yes. when we did the Christmas countdown, we were in the same predicament. Where you voted against It's a Wonderful Life, I did, and then it was turned to Sean. So I'm intrigued to see where this goes. Oh, yes, because I voted for uh, It's a Muppet Christmas. <laughs> it's just Muppet Christmas, not It's. <laughs> it's a Muppet Christmas. <laughs> it's a Muppet Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Every Christmas movie just needs, just needs It's in front of it. It's Scrooge. <laughs> it's elf. <laughs> it's a month of Christmas. Christmas Carol, you know what I meant, motherfucker. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> so, Sean, it's up to you, man. I don't look, I don't know how it's happened. Um, because it's it this is a, an example of one of these where um We've had these countdowns where one of my favorites or my favorite has ended up in the top two. And maybe I've had the opposite. This just happens to be one of those where I don't, it's hard for me to track how the one or two have come in because all my favorites have not made it as far. So um, I. One versus uh, 15. I mean, this is. I think I have to go with National Treasure. And the reason I have to go with it is because um, I've seen a bunch of movies try to do what National Treasure did and not hit the mark. Okay. Um, whether it's Da Vinci Code or whether right. it's... Mm. I, I don't even give a shit about the... What's it? The Uncharted movie with Tom Holland. I assume I it's the same bullshit. It, no, no. Yeah. There's so many movies that try to do Indiana I mean, Indiana Jones is like my favourite everything. So right. I feel like I, I've known a bunch of movies that have tried to do it. Um, very few movies come close. Like the only other one that I think is underrated but stands in the same realm and people don't talk about enough is Romancing the Stone. Like I love that movie. Sort I think of. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I like that. Um, and I think considering... Douglas at their height, yeah. And yeah, and considering... Where it was, and I think it probably came out roughly, give or take a year or so, at the same time as Indiana Jones 4 came out, uh, National Treasure, that is. Oh. Um, they did a really good job. And the, the Tomb Raider movies came out not long before, and they were pretty shit as well. Like, they, they yes, did a they were shit. All trying the to be, yeah. Trying to be that, and they kept failing. 
And this movie surprised me. Um, whereas Joe, as much as I really did like Joe, and really did like Joe, and I think it's very yeah. good, I have seen them do that before, and it's affected me more, or it's been better. I think, like like you said, Andrew, Mud, I think is... Um, oh, Mud is a much better movie, yeah. Better movie. Um, and there's a bunch of other movies like that, more like John Steinbeck style, Americana. Mm. It's a very popular genre. Yeah. And I've seen better. This is a really good movie, but I've seen better ones of it. Um, and it just leaves, what leaves a bad taste in my mouth is that, is like I said, that homeless actor guy. He was amazing in it, yeah. but it just kind of pisses me off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the way it was left. Um, I, I, mean, I, I think the point that sticks out the most is what you said like about hitting that movie. Because I think we take for granted when a movie like that is a blockbuster movie, like National Treasure. And everyone's like, well, it's a simple formula. Just go find a fucking treasure and have the actors be good and everything works out. Well, no. You know, like Indiana Jones is Indiana Jones for a fucking reason, not because everybody could do it, you know. Uh, after that, The Mummy was the closest it came. And, you know, they got an even great sequel out of that. They tried for the third one, but that was garbage, you know, because they, they lost uh, Rachel Weisch, and it was just like, what, what are we doing now? You know, it's... The minute you start losing the main actors, you need to change the whole sequel, how you frame it, right? Like Predator. Predator was fantastic. And I remember Predator 2 came out, and somebody... It was the only movie worth seeing. And somebody said, let's go see it. And I was just like, ah, I don't want to fucking see it. He's like, the sequels when every, nobody from the first movie's in it, it's usually garbage. But they just completely changed around. I remember walking out of the theater with Predator 2 and thinking like, this was a fantastic fucking movie. You know, Danny Glover was brilliant in it. It was like, whoa, that's such a great sci-fi movie. So I think that point, like you said, is, is where, where it gets its, its accolades is the fact that they picked a formula, yes, that is really easy to put together, yes, but it's really difficult to execute correctly. And they were able to manage it. And like I said, not only do they have a sequel, but now they're doing a TV show. It's interesting. And they took they took a period of history that was interesting. Like that. I've not been interested by American history very often. Like a good example of that is Hamilton. Like I've not seen Hamilton live on stage, but I watched mm -hmm. the recording they did on Disney and boring. Fucking I thought, so bored I thought by the it. same thing. I was like, I fucking I hate the this. Hype. This is so fucking boring. Why does everyone love this? Because American history kind of is boring. It's a it bunch is. of boring fucking white dudes just doing boring shit. But this movie kind of made it seem exciting. Like, it was yeah. It's cool too how they do kind of the, the trip around the whole Northeast and hit all the big cities and stuff. And right, all the... right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like 400 years of history. Whoop the fucking do. Literally, my dad's hometown is 3,000 years old. Like, I'm, I'm not impressed with a lot of freaking American history, you know? So it's kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. But yeah. it, that's what I liked about it. It felt weird. Like, I don't believe the Dan Brown when they're like, oh, I found Da Vinci's fucking nighttime sock. Like, like I don't believe that shit. Because it's too much going, yeah, there's loads of history, but I don't believe that. <laughs> I believe you could find George Washington's fucking, like, lambskin condom sitting behind, uh, you know. Wait, wait. Isn't that what stool. Da Vinci's sock is? He just puts it on and he's like, ah, I'm on the His jerk sock? <laughs> 
and also there's something to be said for the fact that I love what I love about America is how much they just and I've said this before I don't put it on the podcast but I say it to people all the time I love how unashamedly Americans will will, will like monumentize any building that a founding father ever went in ever (laughs) like 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 how many fucking buildings are there in this country that George Washington spent a night at during his like Battle of whatever, just like the amount of places. Just drive North around Bernie like, County and Rockland County, and you'll see them all on the path, Washington's path. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I I love that. It's like because they just so so it makes sense. Like I'm watching, and I'm like, even though I know this is kind of fast and bullshit, I kind of buy it. I'm like, right. actually, no. I mean, I buy that these people were fucking weirdos. I know that there's a bunch of truth in that they were all in this in the Freemasons, whether. Right. They, the, the ties between the Templars and the Freemasons are definitely contentious, but right. definitely there are Freemasons. I have been in a free and in Masonic temple. I was invited to be in the Masons. The Masons are fucking weird. It is yeah. odd. There's a bunch of odd shit going on. I buy a bunch of the stuff. You know, you probably. I was just... gonna say it's a little bit fearful, and you like it. <laughs> yeah. The initiation ceremony. Okay, Sean, show us your sock. Okay, let me get it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, National Treasure wins. It's a little bit of a letdown because it's the number one movie on the list and it ended up being the best one. But after all these explanations and all these good drinks, I think that's the case. So speaking of good drinks, what are we giving our drinks grade-wise? Uh, I'll go first with the Pilsner, the Ahuga Imperial Pilsner by Hackensack Brewery, 7.8% ABV. This is a lovely beer. 4.2. Easy to drink, 7.8% ABV. A little bit on the sweet, almost like it's a like a stout, a little bit on the sweet side that way. Um, a little bit of the hops comes through, complex. But like I said, easy to drink. And it's 7.8%. I mean, usually those things, you, know, you drink, you want to go to bed. But this is just really, I'm not, you know. And that's after pounding the freaking Stella in like 15 seconds. So, you know, this is this is a really, 4.2 is, is what I'm calling for this beer. Andrew, bitter end? Yeah, it's a good cocktail. I'd suggest it for anyone who enjoys a nice whiskey cocktail and yeah. likes a little bitter. Campari, something like that. Refreshing. I give it a 4.3. Ooh, high grades indeed. I wouldn't suggest if they're handing them out at barbecues to drink them all day, if they're Why making not? them with 101 wild turkey, but Why not? Know, they'd go we, down we, easy. We, if you have a few of them, you will be going down easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this with Sean. He had a friend back in the UK that had fancy parties, and we talked about a barbecue where you're just drinking best for martinis. It's like, what fucking bar- are they cooking people? What barbecue is this? All right. Sean, uh, leave the gun, take the cannoli, 7.4% by the 902 Brewing Company. What do you give that, sir? Um, I'm I'm giving it a four, and um, I I would probably have given it a three point seven or eight. Um, I if if I hadn't have read anything and found it just tasted, I'd probably given it three point seven, three point eight. 
But after having, you know, looked at label, said that it was like, you know, milk stout, brewed with cannoli shells, whatever else, and then trying it, I'm giving it higher because I kind of appreciate the ballsiness of being like, fuck you, this is a real fucking stout. Like, the amount of soy boys, (laughs) the amount of fucking, like, college, uh, you know, Reddit, subreddit, lads who are going to try this and be like oh yeah milk stout cannoli shells and then be like it's good it's good i kind of like the idea of them sitting there being like i tricked you into drinking a fucking really stouty stout you fuckers because it does not look like it feels like it should be something i love the perversity of something being called a milk stout even though i know what that means to be right. like a milk stout, and it's literally the darkest, most viscose, stout. bitter yes. liquid yes. you could ever imagine. That you yes, call it a yes, milk yes. stout. It's just so kind of like, <laughs> I kind of appreciate that. Okay, four point it is. Well, there you go, folks. We had uh, Sean did the Space Comet Citra IPA at a three point nine, and the Leave the Gun Take the Cannoli at a four point oh. Andrew had the Big Wave Golden Ale at uh, 3.5 and his Bitter End Cocktail at 4.3. And I had the Stella Artois um, Solstice Lager at 3.5 and the Ahuga Imperial Pilsner at a 4.2. It's actually varying. We did like, we did some serious swing from the first drink to the second drink. Uh yeah. Sean, you went from 3.9 to 4. Well, okay, that wasn't that much. 3.9 to 4. Andrew went from 3.5 to 4.3, and I went from 3.5 to 4.2. So we definitely enjoyed this show. We did the uh, honor. We honored Nick Cage with our drink gone in less than 60 seconds. We did 30. We, we, we doubled the expectation there. Um, the number one movie we picked from all his movies is National Treasure with a very, very honorable mention of Joe being the second best on this list. All right. Well, that, that's where we're at, folks. Uh, gents, anything you want to part, you know, uh, uh, leave with the listeners before we go? Anything? What would you guys pick for your top movie if you just plucked one out? What was your favorite? Because I know when we do the brackets and like, Sean, you were saying like yours didn't make it in there. If you had to just pick one. Okay. I'm just curious. That's a good question. Because there are ones, like I said, didn't make it in here that I that I like. Um, the Rock is great. I like Con Air. I like Snake Eyes and Eight Millimeter as well. Good movies. Um, but what about from the list that we did have? Would National Treasure be the, your number one? No, I think for me personally. If I was to look at everything, uh, I think perversely, I would be, I think I'd want to pick Vampire's Kiss. Yeah. I was going to say Vampire's Kiss myself. I I think it's just so fucking Like I said, the genesis of all like Nick Cage crazy character. I feel like that movie is like the start of it. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It surprised me. I'd enjoy having someone watch it with me, like to see the reactions of yeah, the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it's and it's also the movie that I can imagine being remade, 
and being if there was ever any of these movies that if they could be remade by different director different actors and it'd be taken to a different standpoint this like joker if you remade vampire's kiss with whacking phoenix in the lead role and the director was you know whoever who's hot right now he would win oscars okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm not even Joaquin phoenix i think he's too old for the role i'd say robert pattinson yeah yeah he would be great in it They'd be like, oh, it's a great uh, look at like capitalism and like how people, yeah, yeah people would get really, people would eat it up, yeah, bullshit about it. And and you know what else? Yeah. I think actually, you could take it and adapt it into a, a stage play, nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and you know I think as well, then maybe the movie missed out on it a little bit. I think it got a little too cartoony in places where it didn't need to. I think. You could blur the lines more. I think, especially if it was a stage play, they'd definitely do that. But yeah. you could blur the lines more where you don't know if he really is a vampire or not. Crazy or not, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'd like to, I'd, I'd love to see more of that. And I'd also love to see more of like pre-meds, like pre-more like doubt that he's been sane. Like right. more people coming out of the woodwork and being like, yeah, that guy is not, Right, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the only the only thing with with Nick Cage is he goes so crazy that it's a little like it's a little much. It's that's what Stephen King said about The Shining. Funnily enough, is he said that it's like Stephen King hated the the movie The Shining. It was his least favorite adaptation of anything mm-hmm. that's ever been done of his because he felt that Jack Nicholson is too much. Like it gets too crazy too quick and also from the off you're like oh that guy is crazy like he's right. gonna snap and he's gonna go crazy like he telegraphs it too much right, whereas right, he's right, like right. the whole point of the shinings he should just be like a good father and a good a husband slow burn. He's, a, yeah, yeah. he's like a brian cranston like he's a good guy and it just slowly starts to unravel but with the movie it's just like okay you know from the first scene this guy's gonna start cutting people up like right, it, right. you could play with that a little more i think Okay, but it's not right. to do with that movie. I think it has a lot of potential. Like, I honestly well, think well, it could be redone. You would, you would go with Joe, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, I would. Okay. Well, Joe made second place, so yeah, yeah. All right, all right, folks. Well, there we go. That's episode one hundred and two. Thank you for tuning in once again. We'll see you hopefully sooner than four months. <laughs> we'll see how things go. All right, folks. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.